No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Happy, I don't think you're supposed to say this, but happy Memorial Day weekend, right? I I think you're not supposed to, it's not supposed to be happy, but the cat's out of the bag. So, um, you know, it's the unofficial start of summer. That's what the, uh, that's what the Toyota-thon commercials tell me. And uh, therefore, this is the end of the uh, BOA Spring Sessions. I mentioned this at the end of uh, last week's show, that uh, with the unofficial start of summer, can no longer have uh, the Spring Sessions, even though there are like three weeks left in spring. Nobody counts those. It's the summer, baby. Um, So, yeah. So we're wrapping up this little stretch of episodes here we've been doing in the spring. Uh, I'll talk more about what's going to happen next at the end of the show, because what's going to happen next right now is we're bringing in a, a dear, dear, dear friend of the program, longtime uh, compatriot of Banal of America. Uh, I was just joking with him before we came on the air. This is the third, his third appearance in, in the last 12 months. So I used to not do that kind of thing, but I've, I've gotten more, uh, I don't know, relaxed in my old age as I as I want to talk to different people and sometimes I want to talk to them uh, more frequently than I used to. So with all that said, I'm sure the Banal of America listeners know who I'm who uh, I'm about to introduce. He's got a new book out. Uh I am to tell you this and I am to tell you it is fiction. Uh he's got a online symposium next weekend that uh is flying under the radar until now, so we're going to uh, make sure people know about this online symposium, and uh, and as usual, he's got thoughts. He's got thoughts on all kinds of things. I'm talking about, of course, uh, the Waldorf to my Astoria. I don't know. I couldn't come up with a good one, but uh, <laughs> the old to my spice. I'm talking about, of course, uh, the illustrious Jeremy Vaney. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you for having me, Tim. Oh, it's been, uh, well, it's been about six months since we talked, so, uh, you know. Or like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, or like five minutes <laughs> since, uh, yeah, we had to wait for the music to come on, but, yeah, yeah, so how have you, uh, before we catch into, before we get into the other stuff, how how have you been, 
you know, how you been since November? What's your, what's your, how's your 2021 shaping up so far? Would you say? Oh, like most people, probably it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I, uh, you know, I had sort of left doing the experience on Whitley Strieber's Unknown Country website and uh, swore off ufology, and then ufology seems to keep finding me. So, uh, but not in any good ways. It's always in bad ways that just are frustrating. So, yeah. So that's the same. That's steady as she goes, I guess. Uh, but I mean, you know, I got my COVID shots. I went out to see the volcano and, uh, um, so I've actually left my house for the first time in about a year. So that's good. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Um, got the wife, got the ducks. Yep. Still got a cat. Yeah. Got my friend, my friend, Tim talking to him right now. That's right. Long yeah. time friend. That's the end of Long everything time. I have. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, I'm interested. We'll have to get back to this. And I, I don't know if we want to start with this. I, I've complained lately that this is just too much UFO stuff going on right now. Um, but I'm interested in what your your take here on this because you say that you can't seem to escape it. You have become very uh, active on social media. Uh, mostly Twitter, I guess. I don't go on Facebook ever, um, so maybe you're maybe you're the same same thing on Facebook too. But um, but yeah, I've seen you very active lately on on Twitter. So uh, you you do have a lot to say about what's going on, it seems. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, part of that is because um, someone I don't know if it's through my R and doing radio podcast or the website, but someone started private messaging me and just chit-chatting who is new to UFOs or whatever. And, um, you know, there, there seems to be this whole sort of subgroup of 20-somethings and 30-somethings who were into politics and and all of that, uh, but then somehow got sucked into UFOs and they don't quite get, like, what's going on. <laughs> they don't get who all the shady characters are, I don't think. So I feel like, a, I don't know, Maybe I'm feeling a duty to, as an old timer, to like start just bah humbugging the bad stuff and introducing new concepts or new to them concepts that aren't just like aliens are here trying to do NAFTA. Um, so that's NAFTA. part of it. But uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? But the other part is, I mean, you know, uh, eventually I'm gonna be resurrecting Paratopia. So you know, what? I'm, I'm just, going to be talking about this crap anyway. Well, the old this Paratopia, resu- literally resurrecting. Yeah. Well, wait a minute uh, now. So as, you didn't even tell me this off yeah. the air, so what? what's going oh. on? You're resurrecting. I, <laughs> what's going on? I'm going to repeat what you just said. So you're, you're, what's, what's going on? You're resurrecting Paratopia? <laughs> I told you I was a yes, professional. I don't, know where, I don't know where you heard that. I don't know where you got that from, but yes. That is what that people happens. are saying. People are saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you know better than anyone, people... Tim. I'm resurrecting there. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So what's this all because about? so, well, Jeff Ritzman and I were selling the archive um, forever. Jeff Ritzman passed away. Um, so I don't feel comfortable selling the archive and his wife, Lisa, had spoken to me about wanting his, even though he sort of t- 
tried or maybe successfully did leave the field prior to, you know, passing away, um, she still thinks like, as do I, that his ideas are so good and his voice is so necessary that she doesn't want his him to just tick away in the hands of time. So yeah, she was uh, between that and then just listening back as I'm remastering them because they were always, the files were always too huge and the, the audio was always a little bit off. So I'm sort of remastering them as I go and listening. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I mean, you know, there there is a lot of good stuff there, and the journey of the show and kind of where we went as people is so old to me. It's interesting. Like, I didn't realize how skeptical I was of George Hansen and how defensive I was of Bud Hopkins in the beginning. Like, you forget because of who you become in life, yeah. which is the opposite of that. Uh, so it's just interesting, I think, as like a show, uh, a journey of a show. and um, and also interesting how you can literally listen to interviews with some of these researchers from a decade ago and nothing has changed. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to put it out there and it's going to be free and it will um, – I'll either put put them out one at a time or I'll just put up an archive online once I've got them remastered. And Jeff will live on. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great news. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you never told me this. So. I thought I told you that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's all right. Um. Well, that's awesome. That's good. So, are these, so you're remastering yeah. old episodes, not necessarily cutting new ones. Yeah, I mean, there may be a new one here and there. In fact, I put out a call for. In fact, I did tell you this. I remember because I think I put out a call for listeners if they wanted to do any episodes. Because I remember you bagged on me about the fact that we. Well, maybe maybe I didn't tell you. Maybe you just bagged on me. About the fact that we tried to uh, no, yeah, no, no, no. turn the, the show over this. to the listeners who didn't care. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, no, I'm I bagged on the you show about over that. That again, was like, <laughs> yeah, I bagged on you about that, but that was separately. That was like we were laughing about oh, okay. sort of the evolution of Parrot. This is right after. Uh, um, this is right after Jeff passed. Yeah, we talked. We were talking. You and I were talking about sort of the evolution of the show, and then. <laughs> And I, was, right. I was giving you shit about the yeah about the the weird period there where it was like listener driven and uh, yeah it was yeah. a difficult it just difficult it seems road like weird. Home. I mean, there are people out there now still trying to like resurrect David David Jacobs' uh, reputation and hypnosis as a valid tool for memory retrieval and all that. So I think it'd also be good to have this out there just as a reminder of why that's all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny talking about this kind of stuff is uh it, it is um yeah, maybe you can answer this. Hopefully this is I'm not like um hopefully this isn't out of line, I guess, but like where 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 is Emma Woods? Because her story is kind of like being forgotten. Um you know, it's been it's been for, it's, it's kind of getting whitewashed or whatever, glossed over or um, marginalized or rewritten um, by various folks in the uh, in the world of the strange and unusual um, because she's right. you know because you guys aren't sort of sounding any alarm about it <clears throat> and it's it's such a one off not maybe it's not necessarily a one off but it's such a a specifically a specific story. You know what I mean? That it's like you can't really 
Like I can't, I can't. I guess I could do a show. I guess in a sense we're kind of doing a show now. I can't do a show really about the Emma Woods story. You know what I mean? Where it's like, uh, yeah, you know. So she sees. I mean, that was like fifteen. Was it fifteen years ago? It was probably fifteen years ago that all that went down, which is stunning. Um, you know, but I I see other. You know, mm-hmm. I see her name come up every now and again, and, and people who are more active in the field. Uh, drown out sort of the story and are like, oh no, she was a crazy person and uh, you know, you, you don't know the whole story and things like that. So, um, right. where, where where is Emma Woods nowadays? Uh, well, you should ask. She is um, putting the finishing touches on her books. I think it will be a trilogy. Um, and she actually has a publisher for this. So, Look forward to that oh, soon. I think the first one is coming out later this year, or maybe early next year. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I hope. I hope I'm allowed to say that out loud. I, I hope I'm not stepping on her toes by saying that. Um, so you're spoiling yeah, everything. So she tonight. should be back up and running. Yeah, I know. And as far as like the, the Jacob, I'd seen that where someone had said, "David Jacobs, you haven't heard the whole story." Well, Jacob did put out his story on his website. It just didn't hold up to the extent that when she rebutted his stuff, he then changed what he wrote. He ed- he re-edited to try to work around what she was saying, and it still didn't That's work. I mean, ultimately, if anyone wants to know the short version, David Jacobs' defense of putting a woman under hypnosis and trying to convince her that she has multiple personality disorder to send off aliens, the thing that we don't understand is that that's all real, and that's why he was doing it. So <laughs> that's his defense. I mean... What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very troubling. It's, it's that's troubling, and like I said, it's more. What's more troubling is like it's she's being marginalized. Like, um, but it's so. <laughs> it's I I I don't want to get political, but it's very like it's very like one six. It's very like oh no, those people that stormed the Capitol were tourists. You just don't remember it right. She's been yeah. She's been well, one sixth by uh, that by, by certain aspects. I mean, I, I think it's interesting too because I think it was a premonition of, or you know, sort of, sort of. We should have figured out back then that ufology had you know long ago been infiltrated by far right wing Trump types before Trump got there because uh, yeah, that misogyny and especially in the face of the Me Too movement, right? To still be able to be like, well, Emma Woods is trash and crazy and blah blah. Uh, is uh, we should have just seen it, you know what I mean? Because as we see with Trump up to present day, so many people in ufology are Trumpers. I'm sure a bunch of them are QAnon people, and you know, and these are you know big players or whatever, however you want to put that. Um, so it's not surprising. Um, this should have been a premonition that, oh, these people should not be listened to on a number of levels, not just things that they're wrong about and don't know about, but like just basic sexism, <laughs> basic, basic yeah. yeah, human ethics and morals. Uh, they they don't have that. Why should I be paying attention to their research? I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to ascribe – necessarily the same sort of motivation in a way, but or, or sort of say that like they're necessarily like Trumpers, but there's a certain like um, 
this is certain like you replace sort of the the chubbiness, I guess you could say, with the with the UFO part, where it's like if I if this makes any sense, where it's like the UFOs come first and foremost, and 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 you know um, decency and and morality and everything else be damned. So it's like right. that that that's kind of the, the you can kind of see the same the same style of of rhetoric in a way or or or, uh, or thought between the two camps um regardless of per, of politics i mean you could have you you could have people who are super progressive who <laughs> who are ufo well, that's true buffs, yeah. and they're and they're like and they're willing to overlook anything as long as the person um you know as long as the person <laughs> or, or or as long as it it, it bolsters their ufoness Right. Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying, I guess I've also noticed that there are a lot of, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying I've noticed people who are Trumpers in ufology who I wouldn't have guessed, you know, except that, well, maybe I should have because of issues like this that seem to just get swept under the rug, um, you know, just seems, just yeah. all seems fall into the same, but you're right. I mean, the, beyond the that, beyond the right-wing, left-wing thing, there is the idea that UFOs first, everything else be damned, and that's sadly an epidemic of the UFO fetishist. Yes, or as I like to call them, flying saucer buffs. <laughs> now, tell me about this UAC, and we'll get back. What's what's that? No, dude, it's flying saucers, and I won't fucking have oh. another word about it. <laughs> <laughs> flying, let me put it this way: flying saucer is the most honest version descriptor of the phenomenon when speaking in this realm because we all know that what they mean by UAP and UFO is fucking aliens. So let's just call it what it is right. and say flying saucers because we all know flying saucers means alien. So that's that's right. kinda that's kinda my take on it. Uh there's no <laughs> you know, come on. Um so let's talk a little bit. We'll get back to UFO world later, but uh, let's talk about this book. Um, I am to tell you this, and I am to tell you it is fiction. It's very interesting. Uh, you gave me some grief last night about <laughs> about the book because I was I was sort of skimming it, and um, you know I've had I've dug a lot into it since uh, since we talked last. Night. I shouldn't have said anything, um, but I thought it, I found <laughs> yeah, it very interesting. What's that? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, you would have saved yourself a lot of trouble if you just not if you just told me you read it. Well, I, I did. I read a healthy amount, but I, I don't know. It's only so so much time. But I read a lot of it today too, as well. Um, it's a very. I guess let's talk about the format of the book because that to me. Um, and I don't want to do like spoilers, so uh, you know, if you if you want to dance around shit, um, since you're a friend, I'll allow it. Um, oh, last thanks, summer man. I berated right. last, last summer I berated some poor filmmaker who didn't want to give away the ending of his three year old movie <laughs> <laughs> until I until I finally wore him down in, <laughs> over the course of the show <laughs> to give away the ending of the movie. So um, <laughs> one, one of my prouder achievements in the field of of podcasting. Um, so what what. Talk a little bit about the format of the book. I don't want to. I, I could just say what the format is, but I, I want you to sort of explain it 
to people so they have a, an idea what they're getting uh, what they're getting into when they when they pick up the book. Um, well, yeah. So the book is as you would expect from me, not a straightforward book. Uh, it's basically it it wants to be a sequel to I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land, and it sort of starts off that way. Uh, but it's clear that I am sort of both the author and a character <laughs> in the book. Uh, I am becoming, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. So I'm sick of, you know, having to dance like a monkey for, for the audience and tell misogynistic jokes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's one thing. But then the other is I, I'm actually hostile toward the audience. I have this sort of building anger. So it's like this building anger and this narcissism and all of that. Um, but throughout, there's some other voice in me that's trying to break through and then ultimately does. And it ends up uh, going from that into a dialogue from on high with uh, a mysterious voice. And then the book resolves itself by becoming a completely different book in the end. Uh, the book that it wants to be. I was born to dance, baby. So that's, I mean, that's oh. the basic arc of it. I gotta, I gotta ask you about this before we get even any deeper into the book, because uh, um, I'll forget if I don't. I forgot to put this in my notes. Okay, I don't know if anyone's pointed this out to you yet, or if it was done intentionally. So I'm just gonna ask you. You're a big Prince fan, right? Uh huh. Okay, and obviously we all know you're a big Michael Jackson fan. You say in the end here. Uh, yeah, okay. You say, there's a little part here with joy of, in repetition. You say, song created by Prince, a musical icon who had a career love-hate rivalry with pop legend Michael Jackson. He died June 25, 2016 of a prescription drug overdose, seven years after Michael Jackson's death by prescription drug overdose. The date is wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Prince died like in oh. April 2016. And I was like, when I read it, I was like... Holy shit! Prince died on the same day as Michael Jackson. You got the you got the dates transposed. Oh well, so you know that's called a that's called a typo or something. Tim. There's nothing serious about that. I got to go back and look at that. Trying to try that and many more typos you will find in I. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was yeah. I thought you uh, I thought you were trying to say something there. I was like, what? <clears throat> yeah, April twenty first, twenty sixteen. Prince died. Okay. Well, now, now you, now after you're done with this show, we do other shows. You can be like, well, did you notice what I did at the end? It's uh, it's a, it's an esoteric. Well, I can just go correct that. or whatever. I can go correct that. What? So your your book will be a uh, your your copy of it will be a uh, a collector's item. Yeah. Nice. You should put a little thing at the bottom that said correct. That's <laughs> <laughs> correct. Thanks to him at all for. Uh, Although I may have corrected it since, like, I sent you a copy, right? A PDF yeah. or something. You sent it a while ago. Yeah, I, so don't I may know have corrected you, it since then. If this is the first you're hearing of the mistake, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't sure. know. Well, I'll find out. <laughs> all right. Well, I thought you had some kind of grand message hidden in that part. I thought I had like Willy Wonked my way into some kind of real insight, but I guess not. What I thought was interesting in the book. Um, 
Yeah, well, not to, you kind of already explained it a little bit, but <coughs> just to put my spin on it, it's a very, like, uh, for the folks listening, it's like a very autobiographical book, and then it sort of kind of moves a little bit into, like, um, I don't even, I don't know what you'd call it, sort of like musings on the nature of things. Um, and then it like bursts into this dialogue for like the last third of the book. And then there's a little mini, I won't, I won't spoil that part, a little mini book at the end. Um, so it's very interesting, very unique format, very, uh, very different. Um, and what I liked in the musing section, um, I like, I liked a lot of the autobiograph. We, we, we talked about this before, beforehand. I, I like a lot of the stuff in the autobiographical section, but, um, that, that's more just sort of like <laughs> a little bit of like the comedic adventures of Jeremy Bain, which, which as your friend I enjoy. But um, you sort of muse about science as this religion, science having become this religion now, um, right. and and kind of how it's bullshit, essentially is what you're saying, uh, or how it's as faulty as any other religion. Am I am I interpreting that right? Yeah, I mean, on that level. I mean, obviously, ob- observing things and repeatability and all of that yeah, is not yeah. bullshit, but, yeah. The putting it but on a pedestal the way we have. And, right. and I also think that its origins are related to Christianity in, in a certain modern sense. Um, as a rebellion, you know, it was hidden. Um, it's sort of by you know hidden from the church right and then uh so de facto is a rebellion from the church in some sense but then becomes the church but then you know takes the reins of uh if you don't believe this then you know you're you're to be <laughs> you're to be crucified essentially metaphorically speaking of course we don't do that anymore yeah. but i think a lot of that is very uh related to christianity in a way that I don't think scientists would agree with me on, probably. Well, I agree. I think that's an interesting point. Um, it's interesting. I wonder, you'd have to look at more social groups and things of that nature, but, yeah, I wonder if it if that's something that happens, like some, some sort of offshoot group comes out of a bigger group in order to sort of reform it, and then over time it sort of grows in power to where it can be like an equal to its old group. And essentially they're almost indistinguishable if you really look at the underlying characteristics of the two groups. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. <laughs> I think you're onto something, Tim. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> we become our parents, right? I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Practically. Yeah. That's a, that's, Yeah. Usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the guest saying some kind of profound thing and then me pulling out a Dusty Rhodesism. But you uh, you reversed it here. Nope. So far you found that my book has a an error in it, <laughs> and you've made deeper points than I have. So we're good. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not even. I'm not even. I I'm not even like. I genuinely thought that was some kind of trickeration from you. I really did. I'm like – Now I want to go I'm look like, that up because I just, I just went and looked at the book, and I'm like, I see the date. And I'm like, why did I think that unless it's – if it's not true? The June – like where did I – You transpose the dates. I can, I'll take a picture and send it to you later so you know I'm not like busting your chops. But, yeah, it was like really weird. It's just interesting. It's just interesting. 
Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's the other part that's talking about science as a religion, though. It seems seems like science is like it's only this science as a religion thing's only just begun. It's getting kind of like worse in a way. Um, and, and old school religion's kind of dying out. So, I mean, I don't know necessarily if I want to. At least here's the difference to me that I kind of like. Uh, I I never thought about it, but I would prefer religion over science if I had to have a choice over what sort of is the dominating factor. Because at least with religion, there's a lot of openness for the strange and unusual. I.e., you know, they'll just they wrap it in the miraculous talk, but it's like okay, angels and. All you know, miracles and stuff like that—that's paranormal. But in science, it's very dogmatic, and you can't really—you can't really. There's no room for the paranormal in science. That's that's been the problem with the paranormal, you know, since the beginning. Right. Well, and part of that, there's no room for it. I think is, especially with the so-called alien, is that to look at it. Um, because they're the pinnacle, or they place themselves at the pinnacle of this consciousness hierarchy or thought hierarchy, you can't have something higher than you. So it's got to be microbes, right? Like if you're going to go look at Mars or something, you better only find microbes. You better find something we're in control of. I mean, that's the whole thing is this control. We're the ones at the top. We're the ones with the knowledge. Um, I mean, what would you ever do if you actually found a superior being as a scientist? I mean, we've heard this discussion 8 million times, right? But it still is true. Uh, I think that they, I think they have uh, a form of change blindness that um, isn't 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 helped by the fact that there are so many kooks in the field, right? Like you can continue to have that change blindness and not see the real thing and not even want to look at it because there's so many lunatics trying to get you to look at it. And so we're not helping yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But if you took out those kooks and all that, would they look at it? No. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's Yeah, you could you could you need like a psychologist to kind of you need like you write a whole book about like why why the paranormal, you know, why science can't handle the paranormal in a way. You make it interesting. You I I assume you made this term up. It's in the book. Uh I thought it was a really Interesting. This is sort of the section that really got my mind going. So uh, forgive me, but the uh, you say par- you come up coin this sort of idea of paranormal vagueness, where it's like no matter how much like like it's, it's like the one constant of the paranormal is the vagueness, and it's like science has right. figured it out. That that they can't figure it out is what they're trying to figure out. That make that I mean I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, right, they're looking for, like, what's the one repeated thing in the paranormal? Yeah, the vagueness is the repeated thing, the fact that you can't. Now, they they could, I guess, you know, the rebuttal to that would be, well, that's because everything is a hoax or a misidentification or has a plausible explanation. But we know that that isn't true. I mean, there have been sort of valid exper- experiments showing, like, I don't know, psychic psychic powers and things like this. Yeah. Um, the problem is that they're not repeatable. Well, that's not the problem. <laughs> the not repeatable part is the, the vagueness is a repeatable thing. 
And um, so that gets into like that this really isn't about aliens and even ghosts and psychic per se necessarily, that there's uh, perhaps um, an intelligence that is utilizing these things like a, you know, sort of a puppet master kind of thing um, or something along those lines, not nefarious the way that sounds, but just comes in different guises. One octopus with many tentacles. And um, it's only letting you see so much before it pulls away. And I think the doing that is, if you engage with it, sets you up on a little bit of a journey. And that might be the thing that needs to happen, Um, which isn't scientific, right? Like at at that point, you've left science. Because I guess there's another problem, which is that um, you've got the logical. I think we talk about this in the book, the logical, the translogical, and the illogical. And the translogical mm-hmm. and illogical are both not logical. I mean, they're sort of both illogical in, in, in a sense. But one of yeah. them is complete nonsense, and the other one transcends and includes logic. Uh, so right. logic will look at the translogical and not recognize it. So if you've got science, which is just purely logical, then it's not going to be able to recognize the translogical. It can't. It's not even... It can't look at it, but because the translogical exists, that means it's a part of our lives. That means science, as we know it, uh, logic and rationality are not the pinnacle. There's that which transcends and includes the pinnacle. So we better figure out how to get there before we ever even like ask the question of, you know, what is this phenomenon? You know, I mean, the 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 mouth asking it the, <laughs> isn't prepared to even ask it, but it doesn't know that because. You know, we think that we're at the top of our game, and we're not there yet, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. It's like we can't – it's like flatland a little bit. Um, yep. But, yeah, it is – well, do you think – I'd like I – mean, do you think we can ever get there, I guess? Because as I was saying, the science part, like the scientism – uh, Zach Copley uh, notes, you know, call, you could call it scientism. Uh, this sort of uh, – my friend Josh Cutchin, he's really like really, really into the sort of this uh, tearing down the the materialist uh, vision of reality, if you will. Um, and like I get that and I – I mean, I'm 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 cool with it, you know. I'm not like, no, don't. <laughs> um, but to me, I'm just kind of like, I've thrown in the to- the towel on hoping, on hoping for any positive, like, uh, widespread social sort of up. You know, it has to be a personal thing. You can you can reject materialism right. like per- personally, personally. And I don't mean materialism like, uh, you know. Um, fancy clothes or whatever, I don't know, you know, well, not like I have fucking fancy clothes anyway, but, um, but you know what I mean, not like materialism, like, oh, I got to get that new um, video game system or whatever, like, you know, he means sort of like this nuts and bolts version of, of reality. Um, do you think we can ever, do you think as a, like as a society, as a world, we can really ever get there? Or is this something that's like generations beyond like you and I will never see the day like that that we're some kind of transcendent um you know species uh yeah no i I think that we are i mean here's what it is we are in time, right that's what the physicality of everything is, 
And But we've also psychologically set up our psychology so that we have a sense of psychological time. And essentially what I'm trying to explain in the book, roughly, <laughs> is that we need a timeless mind in the world of time. And that is not a social thing. That So anything that you do to mess with, like, to change people's minds about materialism or whatever is still swinging on the pendulum of decisions in time. So at some point, someone can just swing back. You can just change your mind, right? Um, So uh, it's a personal thing of needing to um, actually uh, see, uh, I mean, I'm not explaining what the problem is here right now so well, but seeing what the problem is so deeply that your entire sense of self, that your brain stops projecting you, this psychological entity, um, sees that the seeker can't find what it's seeking. Um, if you see it so deeply, the seeker goes away. The brain stops projecting you, and you transform immediately. Now, is that transformation sustainable is one question. Um, but nevertheless, you do become timeless mind. You become non-dual. And so your body is in duality. The mind is non-dual. And I think that is our that is human nature. I think that's our natural state. But instead of doing that, we've just taken this broken person that we all are and and gone, well, that's human nature. We'll never get there because we're broken. Um, But yes and no. Uh, The no is you won't get there in time. You won't get there by doing anything. It's just understanding yourself so deeply that there is no self left to understand. And in that moment, what are you? Um, So, You've stepped out of time. I I guess... yeah, I guess you can't you can't get there with the tools that we're trying to use. And that's the gotcha. transcendent part, right? So, yeah. Right. Well, now just try and explain this to like, yeah, this is this is why <laughs> this is why I scoff at sort of the uh the disclosure thing because it's like even even if there are aliens coming here, it's way more complicated than that. There's also sort of this well, the, otherness that yeah. is so well, key yeah, to the whole yeah. thing. I mean, think about it this way, because I'm sure there are people out there, if even they know what the hell I just said, are like, well, why? what does this matter? Like, what does it matter to break down the ego and blah, blah? Well, it matters because our whole premise of believing that aliens are coming here is that they're just like us, but they have more knowledge. And what I'm telling you is that we aren't even like what we are, like the illusion of the ego. We always hear that, but it's true. And so if we're living and building societies within that illusion, in that broken, unhealthy place, then we're never, we're never cracking the shell and becoming the flighty little birds that we need to be. And so if there are other flighty little birds in the universe or the multiverse or the wherever that, that are there, that have achieved that, um, or never had to bother with it in the first place, wherever the case may be, that's a different mind. And that mind can understand us. And we can't understand it. We can only yeah. treat it like an enemy or a friend or a god or something within our own context. We can bounce it off our knowledge. Um, but that's it. We can't really understand it. Um, so why would that ever engage with us in the first place? Except to maybe, I don't know, uh, get us to break out of the shell because it knows what we don't. Yep. <laughs> which is that we're all one. Right. And so how do you create that oneness inequality by sort of nudging people to fucking grow up? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And 
parallels with a lot of my thinking in a sense where it's like the yeah this this whole idea that like even you know even just the paranormal yeah how how we kind of think we can engage with it and it's like we can't it's like flatland it's like flatland like we can't get quite uh be on the same level as whatever this is um you know, and I, I, once you kind of accept that, it's not necessarily sort of mirroring what you're saying, but yeah, once you can kind of accept that, you have a you can have a better or a healthier understanding, I think, of the power of the paranormal, rather than just being like, well, they're aliens and they're going to come here and we're, we're all going to start shopping at the mall. It's like no, like right. like, like it's not. This isn't fucking. What you know? I don't know what that show is. There's a million of them, but uh, Alien Alien Nation. Remember that show, Alien uh-huh. Nation, where the alien yeah the aliens are just we're not going to merge cultures. That's my that's that's my big thing. So, um, and the same can be said sort of for like ghosts or all that other stuff. It's like ah, I just don't think it's that easy. It's like you're not really talking to a ghost. You're talking to something if you are, you know, in some kind of communication. Uh, you know. It's interesting to think about. Uh, It has to be a personal journey, I think, a lot of this stuff, because expecting – that's the other part. (laughs) I'm kind of negative tonight, but it's like that's the other part where it's like people – like the rest of the world, a lot of people just aren't – just don't think like this at all. So it's going to be hard to drag anybody along to sort of any sort of enlightened level. You've got to do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. That's it. It, And people want to – you know, you want to make it a group effort. You want to all of that, but all of this want, all of this try again, trying to do something, which is what we're trained to do. Even the people who seek quote unquote enlightenment are trained or training themselves to do something. They're seeking it. And so now you've come up against the obelisk from 2001 space odyssey. And it's telling you stop. Like there is no, and don't stop for a reason. Don't stop because you secretly want to find out what happens. Stop for the sake of stopping. That's it. Once you are stopped, um, that which you seek becomes you. It's not out there. It's not. It's not a dangling carrot in the future. It's you right now. But you can't become the self awareness of that until you are not there blocking it out. Yeah. Uh, you know that. <laughs> and uh, you know it's just funny, like. There are other cultures in the world too, right? It's not just this of course, this mass marketed American capitalist system, but there are indigenous cultures. And um, you know, Teokus and Ghost Horse, uh, who will be speaking at the Living Mystery Symposium, has an interesting discussion with Lahua Lopez. He's Lakota, she's Hawaiian. They have some differences in their cultures, they have a lot of similarities, but they have a, a deep connection that we don't have because they're both they both are of inter- cultures that never lost their interconnecting nature. And in fact, the Lakota didn't have nouns. I mean, can you imagine speaking English and, and not having nouns? Everything is action. Everything is inging. Uh, so, I mean, that's another person on the same planet as you and me, right? We can't understand that. Uh, right. We can only befriend that or kill it right like that and, and what did we choose to do when we you know when europeans met uh so-called indians um so uh, what prayer do you have to understand 
aliens. Um, you don't even understand what you are. <laughs> you don't even understand that there are two completely different minds coexisting on the planet right now. Uh, I, you know, it's a conundrum, but people just want galactic NAFTA, or they want to just change that to multidimensional, as if that's deeper. And that's not deeper. That's just moving, you know, the facade of the thing to a different location. Yeah, I never get that multidimensional shit. That just to me just sounds like <laughs> like cartoonness in a way. And I mean, I'm not like against it, but to me it's like, oh, okay, so I've heard that, you know, a lot of that shit that they say all the time where it's like, that would be really, you know, it's like there's, a, there's infinite, uni- you know, if this is right, there's infinite universes and in this other universe you're, uh, you know, you're the host of uh, The Tonight Show or whatever. It's like, great. What the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> Awesome. So you're telling me I got this shitty fucking universe? <laughs> like, that, right. I guess you, know, you have to look at it a different way. Be like, yeah, and there's also another universe where, where uh, you know, I die in a gutter. So I guess <laughs> count your blessings. I don't know. But it's all just sort of like goofiness. Oh, man. Yep. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, the interdimensional thing. Because there's always this idea like that, pe- you know. I think people talk about interdimensional. It's always like, well, they're coming here. It doesn't seem like this. Like, a, I don't think there's any way we can go there if they're from another dimension. I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't. I don't know. I think there's physically there's some kind of physicality issue there. And b, they don't want us in their fucking other dimension. <laughs> or, otherwise, or otherwise, they'd let us know that they, that it was there. So, and I right. know, like, maybe maybe you might think, like, oh, well, they're trying to get us, but, you know, it's, they're certainly not like, hey, everybody, there's, <laughs> there's a double earth, and, and, you know, if you just go to this place, you can and go in this cave, and somehow you can come into the, the other dimension. I don't know how you'd even, see, I don't even know how you'd go into another dimension, <laughs> right? It's all cartoony to me, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's like, yeah. the other dimensional stuff just sounds... Uh, sounds like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, in the book, I deal with multidimensionality, but it's different. It's not. It's a different cartoony. It's not that cartoon. And what's funny is I actually started writing that version of it, and had to scrap it because. And I don't. This is part of why I called the book I know why. Well, not I know why. Uh, uh, I'm to tell you this. I'm Italian. It's fiction. Is because. Um, this vision of what the multidimensional nature of these beings is and reincarnation and all this other shit that I don't really want to talk about, but just sort of came to me all at once. Uh, So it came fully formed in my beady little noggin. So I thought, okay, I'll write this out, but I can't really say it's real because I don't know. I haven't experienced it, Um, but I do feel like it needs to be said. So that's what the title of the book is about, if anyone's wondering. Um, but it forced me to actually scrap that cartoony version of multidimensionality and go with a different one. Yeah. Maybe um, less cartoony. I don't know. Well, yeah. I never actually – you do – you make my brain work. But what do you – wait, wait, wait. What do you, what, do you, what do you think it is? If you don't think multidimensional and you don't think alien, do you think that there is another intelligence or do you think it's all psychological? What, what's your take? No, no. I guess, I guess, I guess the multi, 
I, I, I guess the multi-dimensional is makes the most sense. It's just that I can't wrap my mind around it. It, it again. It's like it, I was just about to say. You make my brain work in funny ways when we talk, because I try not to think about this shit. I try to just focus on like professional wrestling and beer, but because um, the world is a lot, it's a lot more more comforting to me <laughs> when I do just that. Um, but. The, it's like flatland. It's like we can't, we cannot understand, um, we can't really understand what this is, where it comes, like the actual, like the where of it all, like where it comes from, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? We can kind of yeah. understand what it is. It's some kind of other intelligence, but where it resides, um, to me, I can't wrap my fucking head around that. So when people say it's multidimensional, it's like, but what does that even mean? That's why I made right. that joke about like, oh, there's like a second Earth, and you just need to, I don't know, spin an atom a certain way. That's probably a more realistic version <laughs> of multidimensional than going to a cave. So, <laughs> but but point being, like until I, I until I know that there are places beyond this three dimensional realm that I can't. Um, you know that that until I can see in my mind's eye or understand that there's an actual it doesn't even have to be like a physical location, but like aware a that I can place it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, it's like if you're trying to talk a two-dimensional thing, you're trying to explain what three dimensions are. It's like they don't they don't get it. I don't. I mean, you know, how would they fucking understand? They can't see that way. And it's like maybe we're just mm-hmm. trapped. Maybe we're just trapped this way. We just can't see that way. We can kind of get a vague idea of what it is, but um, we can't ever understand the intelligence. And you know, it's like maybe when you die, then you can, then it opens up to the next dimension, and then you're like, oh, okay, I can see, I see what this is, and oh my god, this is like I'm looking at this existence that we're, you and I are living in now, and you're in the other side. You're looking down. You're like, oh, okay. This now this three dimensions looks two dimensions. Now that I'm up here right. in the fourth dimension, so that's that's the right. best way I can kind of put it. Yeah, I think that's kind of right. Yeah, because then because then you know that those other dimensions you're looking at are a part of you, and you're a part of them. And it's true. Right. It's true for you because you you see it. But from here, it's not true for us because we don't see it. We can hypothesize about it, and we can believe in that, but that just makes us neurotic because it's not actually in delusional uh, eventually because it's not real for us, no matter how hard we try to make it real for us, even though, ironically, it is real. It's just not real for us. Uh, so how do you have that be real for you? Well, you've got to die to the one or two dimensions or three that we are, whatever it is, and um, get up the, and, you know, then you become the fourth dimension. And you're saying maybe that's what happens when we die. And I'm saying, yeah, but I also believe that we, well, I know that that is us while we're alive. You can die egoically while your body remains alive and timeless mind becomes you. And that's a completely different being, if you want to call it that. I mean, and I think that that is what humans are for. Like the idea that we're, and I try to get to this in the beginning with those weird chapters about ants and, you know, recording devices and stuff. The fact is yeah. we're not that much different than anything else. And in terms of intelligence and, and all, and you know, all that, 
And so what are we for? Like just what is what does differentiate us from animals? And I suspect that what differentiates us is our ability to uh, become the self-awareness of truth or whatever word you want to use for that. The oneness thing, the God thing. I, I don't like saying God, but whatever it yeah, is, you yeah. know, becoming that self-awareness in the body, uh, not just um, all this other separate crap. Yeah, <laughs> not well, just the separation world that we're in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if that's well, true, away. then don't we need to do that? I mean, essentially, if Buddha exists and Jesus exists, are we supposed to just look at them or are we supposed to be them? Because if we're supposed to be them, then let's be them. And then let's use – and then as the, that person, let's ask about what this other thing is. Until we're that, how can we ask about anything? But, you know, who's going to do that? <laughs> who's going to be first in line to do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zach Copley has a question here. I gave him shit in the chat because I don't even – this is like way I don't know. I, I'm going to read the question just because it amuses me. But I read the question and I'm like, what the fuck? How would I even know this, dude? He he asks, are you ready, Vanny? He asks, wasn't the idea of multiple dimensions developed as a speculative solution to observed quantum phenomena that broke with existing physics models? Actually, now that I read it, it doesn't sound that. He just used a whole bunch of fancy words to say, didn't they invent multiple dimensions? Because they couldn't, because they because they spotted shit that didn't seem to fit with ex existing physics, um, and then I responded, I don't know, I'm not just a scientist. Yeah. You, what's that? Let's just go with yes. Yeah, yeah. No, he, does, he, he says he says sorry. Yeah, no, you don't have to be sorry, dude. I just have no idea. I don't have any idea where the idea of multiple dimensions came from. So, I mean, if, if you're asking if that question, they, yeah. and that's so specific, you probably know that the answer is yes. <laughs> it's like yeah, a fake yeah. question. Hey, you guys, isn't it true? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah. He should, yeah, he should have just taken the wasn't part out. He should have just put the idea of multiple dimensions, blah, 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 period. Because <laughs> he's telling us, you know, I can't confirm that. If you heard it, Copley, I trust you that it's true. So... <laughs> So we're just going to go with that. But, yeah, I don't see how – yeah, I think we're kind of just – I see what you're saying. That, that took me off track with, with the, um, you know, how do we even, you know, how, how, is there a possibility to become godlike on here? But, I, yeah, I think the the whole idea of sentience and consciousness – I mean, what do you – I always get tripped up on consciousness because, like, to me it's like such a – hard thing to grasp, I guess. Um, it's very sort of like ephemeral in a way. So I guess what do you what do you consider consciousness to be? That sentience? Um well consciousness um I think I don't know. I mean consciousness and sentience are technically the same word, but I, I differentiate okay. them just because I think it's easier for me to say that sentience is um you know the ultimate, sort of the ultimate self-awareness, I guess. But consciousness kind of just can be any range of things, but sentience is like that added self-awareness of being any range of things. 
Yeah. All right. Because you see th- consciousness thrown around all the time now, and it's like – it's kind of lost all meaning to me, to be honest. So I don't really know anymore. I mean, consciousness what... is essentially like um... – Consciousness, is, I mean, it is the same thing because consciousness is essentially <coughs> nothingness. It's all of a rigmarole, right? So there's nothingness. Um, nothingness is a concept. <laughs> Concepts only exist in the brain, but this one exists outside of the brain. It's nothingness. Um, therefore, uh, consciousness exists prior to the brain. And what does that mean? Right? Like, so if consciousness exists prior to matter, is essentially what that's saying, that means we're in the matter. We're, we're, I mean, we're in the consciousness. The matter is inclusive consciousness. That was the other, um, again, part, part of the, the two chapters there about like ants and recording devices is to say which comes first, the intelligence or the organism, or in the case of recording devices, the material that, um, that does something, that does, performs intelligently, performs those actions. And um, I think the answer is that they're simultaneous. But um, if we were to put it on a timeline, I think you'd have to say that the intelligence, uh, quote unquote, came first. Um, that consciousness yeah. is first, and then matter. Um, so I don't, I don't know if you got that from that or not. I think so. I think so. But still, and it's funny because yeah. I got into a little argument with this with someone in a consciousness group on Facebook, who was like, "No," because oh, I was talking about animals and animals. You know, how do animals know? Come, how do my birds come out of an egg and know how to build a nest and know how to navigate the property and know each other and yeah. they know these things? They don't have a parent. Well, it's genetically encoded. Okay, well, where did that knowledge come from? Because this is huge coordination. This isn't just like, you know, I I breathe, I poop. This is like leaving. (laughs) So was there a time when they had, when they thought about it and now they've developed so well that they no longer have to think about it. It's just in their genetics, you know, like silent. Well, no, no silent. Well, Well, no, I don't believe they ever thought. Okay. Well then where does that thought come from? We're in it. We're performing the actions of consciousness, right? Like that's what that is. Yeah. Well, as far as the birds go, it's probably like evolutionary, right? I would assume somehow, like the, the birds that could figure. You're right. It's like where did that thought come from? But I you don't have know. To, yeah, I mean, you have to. If it's evolutionary, that means that these birds that don't have hands, some bird along the way came up with the idea, somehow survived. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, somehow well, they maybe... have survived. They they came up with the idea, and it tra- and it just was handed down so much that they no longer have to hand it down. Unfortunately, we can't do that as these so-called superior beings. We have to come out and we have well, to learn things from our parents and all of that. Here's <laughs> here's my counter argument to that, right? We talk about time. Like it you got to think that this has taken millions of years. So, it's <laughs> somewhere at the very beginning, some little bug and who we we get it's kind of like the chicken and egg thing. It's like we could ask where that where it came from, but like some little bug got the thought, like I got to get the fuck out of this water and get onto that land, because shit's better on the land. And then you know that started the the whole process of eventually humans coming along. So it's it's 
it's a very long uh, process, I guess you could say. But again, where where did the right. thought that the little bug had? Who 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 gave the thought to the little bug? You know, I don't. Right. Know. So what I try to do is just sort of present the timeless aspect of it, right? So in in the timeless view, where everything is happening simultaneously, you could picture it like, um, well, like a picture, or like I guess I give the example of an afghan or a quilt, a quilt, I guess. You know, a multicolored quilt where that entire quilt is all of what we would call time. And if you're a stitch moving along the, the quilt, you would think that there's a back there and a forward, and they're both kind of hazy because they're so distant from you, and you're moving mm-hmm. through colors and you think you're transitioning. But if you pull back, you're actually just the quilt. So I would say that from that looking at the quilt perspective, the little bug a million years ago is actually just a spot on the quilt. And to a stitch like us, way over on this side of the quilt, that looks like long ago. But it's actually not long ago. It's actually right now. It's all right now. And again, if you just think about the way that this type of thinking is so different from how we think normally, um, what does it mean (laughs) for aliens? What does it mean for (laughs) galactic NASA? How's that going to work out? (laughs) Jeez, you're like Ross Perot here with the galactic NAFTA. You're 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 strongly <laughs> against it. What's that? That's right. <laughs> I was doing my Ross Perot impression. I'm sorry. Do it again. I missed it. Oh. Can I finish? Oh, oh I remember that. I remember can yeah. can I finish? Oh God. See, you know what? Sometimes getting old sucks. But what's good about <laughs> getting old is. <laughs> is is that you were in you were there for all the old old in jokes so so you can you you know all these millennials and these Gen Zs it's like they weren't there when that wacky guy that Ross Perot picked for his vice presidential candidate candidate was like who am I why am I here when at the debate right like that was one of the best <laughs> that was uh you know or uh or the who, who was that idiot that was running for president? And he was like, we're going to win this, and we're going to win that, and we're going to win this. And he's like, yeah! <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. I still do that to this day. Howard Who was Dean. that guy? Oh, Howard Dean. Oh, God. Bernie Sanders before Bernie Sanders. That's right. Oh, that's what these other – yeah. That's, see, you're a big Bernie guy, but yeah. You got – I've seen. That's why I, I I gave him a chance, Bernie. We've talked about the uh, we've talked about the controversial oh, uh, bump, bumper stickers, but um, but yeah, that's part of what makes me cynical too. I remember, it's like there's always somebody that comes along that like irrationally excites young people who has no chance. It's like I've seen it too many too many times to to count. But it's like okay, all right. Howard Dean was kind of like that, and uh, who was the fucking Ralph Nader? Oh. Ralph Nader, Ron Ralph Nader. Paul before he went super crazy, a little bit more for the for the right side people, but yeah, there's always someone like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know how he got on that. You had to but, bag on Bernie, that's how. No, nah, yeah, yeah. Did you see they had a Bernie thing? Like somehow his like his hotel rider got released or leaked or something. And the and the media yeah. was like uh, like oh we've got Bernie Sanders secret hotel 
hotel right. rider or whatever. He wants and to it was sleep like, in a bed and he wants air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a heart attack, most, you asshole. Give him air conditioning. It was the most it was the most basic <laughs> shit. It's like, it's like, uh, yeah, it would be nice if we had two bottles of water in the room. It's like, <laughs> whoa, what a fucking diva. <laughs> you know, a pillow for me and my wife. It's like, oh, all right, dude. Who's the one percenter now, Bernie? It's like, what the fuck? I read the whole thing. I'm like, where's the scandalous part? This is like shit I expect when I check into a Holiday Inn. This is like this is pretty pretty much what's listed on the a trip advisor. A fruit basket would be nice. <laughs> I'm gonna be very upset if I don't come out of my room in the USA Today, right by the door. Oh my god. Ah, uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. So, so the book. Talk a little bit. I don't want to. Uh, uh, sort of a wrestling analogy here but it's like I don't I don't want to like uh blow up your spot or whatever but like so the the back the the back third or whatever the book is this conversation between you I think you call it mystery voice um yeah. so I guess like how is this like I guess in a way this is kind of funny cuz it's like the title of your book um is that fiction or were you like actually I, I, you say in the book you don't do channeling, so it's, it's like uh, I guess sort of like enlighten me more the nature of this conversation because that part was a little bit like hard for me to wrap my mind around because I'm like, all right, is Vaney is Vaney like I don't want fabricating sounds uh, sounds untoward. I don't mean it in that sense. What do you mean? Yeah. No, no, I meant like you know, is, is this a, I got it. Is this a? I was thinking to myself, is that okay? Is this? Oh, is Vanny doing a literary device, or is this an actual, like, experience that he had where he was communicating with some other voice? So, so enlighten me to that. That 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 was sort of like the one of the big questions I had as I was reading it. I'm like, I'm like, okay, is this, is this real, or is this a literary device, or or what? So what you know, if you don't want to like spoil it or give up the the. No, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a but literary what? device, and and uh, okay. so no, it's not real. It's it's a total literary device. But I mean, the thing that is interesting to me about that is, I think if I were anyone else and I wrote that and I told you it was channeled, I would have a huge following. People would be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is channeled material," and th- that should just go to show you if that's true. If I'm not just tooting my own horn, um. That what can come out of us. And this gets to my, in a way, in a roundabout way, like my sort of peccadillo with like DMT and hallucinogens and things like this. The people talk about how amazing um, the knowledge that they've gotten or whatever, how enlightening it is. And it's like, well, but this comes from you, right? Like this can come from you. You don't need aliens to tell you this stuff. You don't need a drug goddess to tell you this. Uh, you don't need a chant. Like, so what is the point? I guess that, that's my question about these paranormal messages and these drug, you know, sort of hallucinogenic messages and channel yeah. messages and all that is if I can tell you something that is similar or better, smarter than, than what you're going to get there, then what is the point of them existing? It's obviously not the literal thing. 
So again, it gets to like, there's something deeper going on here than just the surface level that appears to have depth to it of aliens, of a goddess, of, you know, an entity being channeled. There's, yeah, that stuff ain't the depth. DMT. Yeah, well, you, it's interesting. You talk about DMT a lot. Is that something you would ever do? Uh, yeah, I would probably do it. I would give it a go just to see what it – I mean, I've already done mushrooms in the name of science. <laughs> do I have to do DMT too? I have a feeling it would be the same thing, but, you know, it would be a different length of time and come on quickly and all that. But ultimately, I mean, I think like with the – you know, I did the so-called hero's dose of mushrooms, and – it brings you into uh, – it brings imagination out of you. It brings it into the room. It spills the cartoon of imagination into the room. And I can see if you've never had an authentic, you know, spiritual experience or enlightening experience or whatever word you want to use, that that would seem like it, it's it. But it's actually not. It's like being stuck in someone else's imagination and them telling you how amazing it is. And you're just like fatigued yeah. and like, okay, can it stop now? If you're me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I see what you're saying in a sense. Where it's Nine like, hours yeah. later, you're like, okay, can I wake up? Yeah. you Doing that stuff. Yeah. You're only allowed to, yeah, you're only, to throw back to my earlier metaphor, it's like you're only allowed to crawl into the cave and sort of like peer, you know, you're only allowed in for a minute or two. And what it seems like it, or whatever, yeah. or like which you know, or it could be feels like hours, it could be minutes, it, you know, it feels like minutes, it could be hours. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can experience maybe a glimpse of that other dimensionality uh, doing that stuff, but yeah, the next day you're like, what the fuck was <laughs> that? Was what was I thinking, man? That was really uh, that was you know, I won't be doing that again. Uh, for for quite some time, yeah. You know, but there are other people who are like, "Fuck, I'm doing that again next weekend," and uh, you know, we right. call them deadheads. <laughs> so, okay, so that was that that cleared that up for me because look at dude, if you had said, you said this before, you're like, oh well, if I if I had said that this was all channeled, uh, I'd be you know some guru or whatever. I genuinely, when I asked you that, didn't know the answer. So if you had said you channeled it, I would have been like, oh, okay, this is, you know, I'm more actually more surprised that it's a literary device than, than this was some kind of experience you were going through. But the only part to me was right. like, how's he writing all this shit down? <laughs> like, like that, was, <laughs> that was where I got confused. Oh, man. So you got some... Good stuff coming up next weekend. Now, folks, pay attention to me. This <laughs> this is next weekend. So let me get the calendar up here. Uh, because I, June 4th to I, I was, 5th. Right, right. Well, I don't have it up. I, you know, we're at the end of the month. We're at the end of the month here. So, you know, rent's due, folks. You know, you don't want the constable coming to your door. Um, so the next weekend... You're going to have the, where is it, Living Mystery Symposium, and uh, it's going to be online, which is awesome. And it's going to be free, so people should appreciate that. Um, but you haven't <laughs> – I was kind of giving you shit about this earlier today because this is why we're doing the show tonight. Um, but both of us forgot that 
uh, last night when we were talking. And uh, it wasn't until today when I was putting together the show page, I was like, oh, shit. That's why we're doing the show tonight, because Vaney has that thing next weekend. <laughs> so... so. I can I can understand me not remembering, but, <laughs> but thank but you, Tim. I appreciate you, it. <laughs> yeah, you are the most wonderful uh, non-self promoter I've ever met. So um, <laughs> you you haven't really told anybody about this. So I will tell them now. It's the Living Mystery Symposium, and this is partially why I'm kind of surprised because um, this is this is fucking. This is badass, dude. This is really good. You're going to have uh, Friday, June 4th, you got Teokas and Ghost Horse and Lahuda Lopez. Um, and then Saturday, uh, the UFO Cognizetti, as I call them, the the, uh, the UFO thinkers will, li- will like this a lot. Um, Saturday, June 5th, you're going to have uh, Dennis McKenna, Jeff Kripal, and Whitley Strieber. So it's like these are three massive names. Um, and then on Sunday, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, you're going to have a live roundtable with all the speakers where you guys take questions. Um, and you're going to be hosting it. And as you say on the thing here, it's absolutely free, which is like, holy shit, dude. This is uh, – more people need to know about this. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be boosting it on my social media. But you gotta, you got to get – can't believe I'm saying this, but you got to get a little more shameless, Vaney. you gotta, you got to start pushing <laughs> that this thing's happening next weekend. I guess since you don't have to sell tickets, you're like, well, come, don't come, I don't care. Yeah, screw it. No, I, I, I have been uh, – um, this last week I haven't done anything, but I, I had – I've done some promoting for it, and I've bought some okay. promotion for it, and other speakers will be promoting it uh, hopefully this week on their respective sites, and streamer has been good about promoting it, so – I, I suspect people will show up, but yeah, it's completely free, and you don't even have to sign up for anything. It's on anywhere, so it'll be on YouTube Live and Facebook Live, and um, you know, pretty much anywhere I am, you'll be able to find it. But if you go, well, Tim, hey, put it on uh, but all of America if you want. I don't do you know if you want to, but <laughs> I mean, take that if you want the YouTube Live feed, like where anyone can watch it, put it on your website if you wanted to. Um, wow. But if not. People can go to jlineproductions.com. It'll be there. Yeah. I'll just – well, that's, I'm a little confused. We talked about why it's nice to be old. Now let's talk about, now let's talk about why it's terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's too many options. There's too many options. So you're going to be streaming the YouTube feed at uh, ourundoing.com um, as well as on jlawnproductions.com. And on Twitter, as we, I'm not done yet, folks. And on Facebook Live, what is this? The WrestleMania pre-show, and it's going to be on Twitch. So, That's um, yeah. So, so what is that? One, two, three, four, five, five different ways for people to watch this. Um, yeah, I didn't see you're not going to be stream, you're not going to be streaming it on YouTube. That's like the most. That's that's like the biggest one out there. Well, it is oh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah the YouTube, YouTube feed right here. Okay, I'm yeah, I see YouTube. it now. Yeah, I see it. So yeah. the YouTube feed, I'm just putting on the website. But essentially, if you're on Twitch, Facebook Live, or uh, YouTube, and you're in any of those chats, I'll be able to read your questions and um, ask them on Sunday. So certainly get in there and interact. And uh, yeah, it's, it's. I can already tell you, it's amazing. 
I, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for people to see it. And also, even for the UFO crowd, I would say Friday night, the conversation with um, Lahua and uh, Tioksin, uh is going to be surprising and um, for you in a way. So I'll just tease it that way. All right. It's live, though. This hasn't already occurred, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's live. You uh, made it sound no, like it's already no, it has happened. The first two days oh. are I taped them and made you know made an extravaganza, and then the last day is live. The Sunday is live. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. that's clever. I like that. Um. Oh wow. Okay. Jeez, Vanny. I don't want to wake up. With um. Them, but they're going to be live streaming. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be live streamed, but they already took place. It's like, like uh. Yeah, it's like WWE when they taped Raw a week ahead of time. And then they're like, we're live in Des Moines. And it's like, you were live in Des Moines last week. What happened? Um, <laughs> all right. <coughs> so it sounds good. What the – I guess uh, you kind of alluded to what Tiokasen and uh, LaHuda are going to be talking about. No, But talk because – you know, I'm just, the name is Dennis McKenna, Jeff Kripal, Whitley Strieber. As I said before, that that titillates the the UFO cognizanti. So, uh, having already seen this conversation, or is it a series of presentations, or is it uh, this is what it is? I, I asked people. Yeah. I asked people to do presentations, and then they were all like, "Great." We'd rather talk to you. And then like, no. <laughs> uh, so it's a, a combination. So the first, so Friday nights is really, I sit there like a powered down robot and listen to these two talk. And then at the end, I, I come in and uh, we have a, a chat. Uh, okay. Then Saturday with Dennis McKenna, he gives a presentation and, um, and then I ask him questions about it after. And kind of the same thing with Jeff Kripal. Whitley taped his own on his own. And I got to say, I think this is the best Whitley Strieber thing I've seen in a long time. Like, it is phenomenal. I had no idea what he was going to do, really. And uh, I don't know. So, the, I mean, the, the, the theme of it is diversity and consciousness, which is when we talk about oneness. You know, you always hear about oneness. We were talking about it today. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you kind of tend to forget that there's a diversity of consciousness within that oneness. And not just human, but also, you know, plant consciousness and go down the line, um, the visitors and all of that. So let's talk about some of these, um, these, these consciousnesses and see what forms, you know, see what picture we can make. And so I think yeah. you're going to get like, especially with Jeff Kripal, outside the, their own box stuff. So because Jeff Kripal's presentation, which I found fascinating, is about how uh, in the humanities, he calls them the superhumanities. There are certain people who come along who, even though we believe they just came up with their own philosophies and stuff, it actually came to them through visionary encounters. And so the, the big example he uses is Frederick Nietzsche, who, you know, everyone thinks is just what? Like a sort of nihilistic thinker. And it turns out they're wrong. And he sat down because probably there was a pandemic and he had nothing else to do and dove into all of Nietzsche's stuff. He had never read it before and found that the complete opposite of what he's been attributed as being or, or have, having coming up with his thoughts 
it, it's the opposite. It is visionary. Yeah. He is a mystic. And he convinced me because I always thought Nietzsche was one of those people who sort of got it, but intellectually and never really deeply. And I was just wrong. We've, we've been lied to. And so it gets to the question of like, why does that happen? Because it happens with Carl Jung, right? He comes up with this brand of psychology and then, you know, cut to decades later and we found out, you know, he got to this brand of psychology through a bunch of visionary journeys that he wrote in the Red Book, which looks like an occult Bible. And he's having all of these encounters with uh, gods and goddesses and dead people and characters out of books and stuff. He's literally having these visionary conversations with these people. And from that, he forms his brand of psychology. But apparently they didn't want us to know that first part, right? They just wanted us to think he was a, a scientist and a, you know, protege of Freud or whatever. But this just seems to be a repeated pattern going all the way back at least to ancient Greece and Parmenides, who's the grandfather of logic and reason, uh, who actually was given that as a way to go for the future of Greek civilization, at least, from a nameless goddess who ends up being, um, I think it's Persephone, the goddess of the underworld. Uh, but we aren't told that part, right? We're just told he's the grandfather of logic and reason. We're not told that it was given to him to be that way by a goddess of the underworld, because that would be silly and illogical. So we just keep seeing this, right? And I, I don't know. I just find it fascinating that that we there is a mythological or a translogical uh, origin to our rationality all along the way, but. The moment it happens, we repress it, and then we have complete amnesia about it for a number of years until someone looks back and goes, wait a minute. <laughs> Look what we haven't been told. So you're going to see that. And then Dennis McKenna is um, gives a talk about evolution, actually, um, and the role that uh, psychedelic mushrooms may have played in our um, becoming what we are now, you know the explosion yeah. of imagination and creativity. So look forward to all of that and then ask them whatever you want to ask them. And I'll ask it. All right. We got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Well, it's, uh, I'm impressed. Very impressed uh, with the whole thing. Free, that I love free. You know that. So, yeah. uh, interesting conversations. Great speakers. Um, here's an interesting question: um, Why? <laughs> like, why? Why? Why do this? Why do this, and why do they agree? <laughs> well, no, no, I, I get why they. It's a, it's a, almost an existential question. Like, why does anyone, why does anyone put on an event? But, uh, but you know, I figured it, it, especially, especially in this instance. I mean, you don't, you're not going to make any money off of this. So it's like, so, so why, uh, why are you doing this? You know, I guess you could say out of the goodness of my heart to <laughs> enlighten people, which is a perfectly acceptable answer. Um, but uh but yeah but you know i'm inherently lazy also so to me it's like <laughs> there's a there's a sullenness to that why where it's like why would you do this so <laughs> so so what is what is the answer to the why 
Well, funny enough, Tim, if you go to jaylon.com, I'm sorry, jaylonproductions.com, J-A-Y-L-O-N productions.com, uh, we have I a list went, of the I just went to jaylon.com, and you've just, I'm going to have to clear my browser yeah. history. Thanks a lot. Don't do that. <laughs> jaylonproductions.com. There's actually a list of uh, charities, so if people want to feel like they need to pay for something, they can go to those, one of those charities and do that. Uh, uh, but that isn't, but we're not actually doing it for that, funny enough. Um, well, because... I mean, originally, my wife Carol and I set up Jalon Productions to be to bring events to the island uh, in to, to our island here in Hawaii. Um, that would be, you know, cheap enough for locals to go to because everything here is geared toward tourists and it's, it's expensive. So that was originally it, but then COVID kind of threw us off. So I just asked these folks if they would, hey, let's do an online conference, and um, since everyone's broke in the world <laughs> let's make it free um so yeah. they agreed to do it and actually they were mainly i think they did it because they realized that we lost our shirt on the last conference at least the ones who participated in it and so oh, the one you didn't I want. Think they were like yeah so they were like why don't you just not pay us and you guys make money and you take the money and i said well no if you guys aren't getting paid we're not getting paid so we'll just do it for free and we'll put some charities up so we did it that way. And I, I think it, it really is just what you said. It's like, yeah, I mean, how do you – yeah, I want to expose people to all of these different ways of knowing and, and all of that. I just think, like, like it becomes an exclusive of the New Age. It becomes an exclusive of ufology, and it becomes an exclusive of, like, anyone who's willing to pay 50 or 60 or more dollars for, like, a weekend plus a hotel and all that stuff. And it's like, well, what about everyone else? Like, they don't get to have these conversations. They don't get to hear this stuff. So, yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm the Robin Hood of New Age knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, no, it's that kind of is my motivating yeah. factor of like, what about everyone else who can't afford it? Well, there you go. Um, yeah. The problem no, with that, that is sense. people who don't pay anything often don't show up because they feel like as my wife would say, they don't cherish it. They feel like it's not worth anything because we live in a, you know, culture that worships money. So prove them wrong, everyone. Show up. It's free. Well, yeah. I mean, being my it wife, sounds interesting. And it sounds interesting, and as you said, it's free, so um, there's no reason why. The, like, yeah. Well, these things are increasingly popular nowadays anyway, these online things, so it's um, – yeah. Well, now that I everyone's like got a shot, they probably want to go outdoors. <laughs> nah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. What's your What's your take on that? Do you think, like, because you and I are kind of like, well, we are. We're like old school uh, podcasters. Um, you know, you you at least do the video things on your site. Um, I'm like loath to do video. Uh, but a lot of shows have switched to this, like, video format, and they go on YouTube and shit, which is, you know, whatever. I'm just not really um, a giant fan of that, that whole setup. But I guess in the last year, we've seen all these uh, – we've seen all these conferences and stuff become online conferences. Do you think that, that – uh, that we're going to see that continue, or do you think we're going to see more of a push for on-the-ground events? I'm seeing a lot of 
promotion right now for on the ground events. It's weird. It's like the floodgates were opened in the last like ten days, and with with the holiday yeah. weekend and everything, it's everyone's just like, it's over. COVID's over. Come to Bigfoot Rama in Kentucky in June. And it's like what? I don't what? Yeah. So so I don't know. Maybe don't we'll know. see an initial burst of on the ground stuff, and then people will be like, yeah. we all lost our shirts on Bigfoot Rama. We should have fucking done it on Zoom. I told you, you idiot. So well, who, who or knows? Worse, what do you think? I mean, I think there is. I think there is going to be a push to do things and pretend like everything's back to normal. But once you realize how much of the country hasn't been vaccinated and people start healing over again from mutant strains of COVID, um, it might be back to online again, you know. But I do well, think there's going to at least initially be a push to be live. Now you sound like Tyler Cochon. Uh, <laughs> like a doctor. Yeah. You never want to go full Coke John, dude. You don't want to go full Coke John. <laughs> you know he's listening. You know he's listening right now, and he's like, mm-hmm, veiny, yup, yup, mutant strains, mutant strains. Sure. Yup, veiny knows what it's about with the mutant strains. Listen, Tyler, if you're listening, I got the jab. It's over, okay? There aren't going to be any fucking mutant strains. <laughs> now, let me ask you uh, something when you got the jab. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? Just for feel... those listening, for those listening, we're 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 hurtling headlong into good parade territory at this point. <laughs> but yes, what? Yes. Uh, yes. Ask me what you'd like about the jab. I, I I've spoken about it extensively. Did you feel anything? Like, did you feel a change in your body? Like a weird sort of like, huh? That's odd. Kind of change in your body, or did what? Nothing. I don't mean like a sickness or a headache or fatigue or anything. I mean like a an indescribable uh, sort of like, huh? Maybe there were maybe there were microchips in this. Um, not I. See, you had me until you got to the mic that for that last part. So let's slice <laughs> that off. But what okay. I did have two distinct reactions uh, to to the vaccine. Okay, the first one was a psychic, let's say, reaction. Um, and I don't mean like uh, like Sylvia Brown. Um, it was sort of like I, like literally like probably an hour or two after I got the jab, I just had this incredible feeling of relief, like that this really was over that I didn't need to worry about this anymore, that I probably wasn't going to accidentally get this and die. Um, and it was just like a whole year of stress melted off of me in a matter of like an hour. So that would be the first feeling. Do you mean that? Because there's a second, more physical feeling I had. So what was the you're, physical you're talking feeling? more of yeah. Okay. So the... Uh, You'll like this. I don't know if I talked about this with Tyler or not, but the the second I don't think I have the second jab till after I talked to Tyler, but the so okay, I got the second jab and everything seemed fine. And I'd say like about ten hours later ish, I felt like intoxicated. But not not like a different kind of high than I ever 
had experienced. Um, like I couldn't put my finger on it, but like the, like I always joke with everybody when I tell this part of the story. It was like I was just kind of like, oh man, this is wow. This is like I got to get more of this Pfizer shit. That was kind of that was my main reaction huh. to the moment. I was like, this is such a. I felt like I was tripping. It was really hard to explain. It's like anybody who's been high on anything before, it's like you can't quite explain the experience because it's like it fucks with all your it fucks with all your uh, senses. But it was like I was kind of lightheaded, um, kind of like happy, sort of. But but uh, you know, but yeah, just like euphoric almost, like a weird blissful feeling. So if that was the fucking microchips, give me more. Um, I'm all about, I'm, you know, I'm probably the I'm only already. asshole in the, I'm the only asshole in the world who's like, booster shots, have at it, baby. I'll go in for an annual <laughs> trip your ass off shot, sure. But that lasted like for like three hours, and then uh, you know I went to bed. I woke up at like four in the morning, and I just felt like I had the fucking flu. For uh, you know, for like five hours, and then it just melted away, and I was fine. So, why did you have that experience? Some kind of experience? Yeah, well, I I know like Carol felt sick for like at least a week uh, after the second shot, first shot. I don't know, but um, I felt a little queasy during it. But no, but I I asked her this the other day, and we, we both sort of felt it I, something else it's just like the feeling of like there's been a change in your body <laughs> like just like a huh whoa that's weird almost like you feel an earthquake or something it's like that did i feel that did i just that's weird and i don't even know how else to describe it and uh then she reminded me that what this pfizer shot is doing is you know fusing this stuff with your dna or something and maybe that's it maybe you're actually feeling that uh oh, but i'm God. just wondering if other people felt Something like that. The feeling of protection, Sam, there. Do you feel better? (laughs) I'm trying to understand what you felt. So you felt like what? Like there was something happening in your body, but you couldn't – Yeah, okay, so. Yeah. Was it it, a good feeling, or it sounds like it was disconcerting to you? It was just something – it was a little disconcerting, but it wasn't a good feeling or a bad feeling. It was just like – it was just unexpected. I just felt like, oh, that's weird. Something in me has changed. Now I'm in a different time once or something. Yeah. No, I mean, wh- how long after Suddenly you got Trump the shot? President. Wait, what? Hmm? How long after you got the shot did you have this feeling? Like within a day, within a no, week? No, immediately. Couple- no, it was as soon as they put the shot, immediately when I got the okay. shot. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, I wasn't afraid to get the shot because, you know, I've done a lot of dumb shit in my life. So <laughs> what's one more? Um, so when the doctor gave me this, he said, he's about to give me the shot. He's like, you ready? And I'm like, fuck it. Let's do it. You know, if, uh, if something happens to me, that's it. It happens. I, I, it, it was my choice. You know, I don't really. Um, yeah. I'd rather have the Now I know of what's mind. going on in your head, Tim. Are you are you worried that I'm scaring people away from getting the shot? <laughs> Cuz that's not what I'm trying to do. 
I'm just asking. I did think that briefly, yeah. No, I don't think you do it on purpose, but, you know, hey, people can do what they want. No, well, screw it. Go get the shot, you moron. Jesus. Anything is better than getting COVID. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's kind of my attitude. People can do what they want, but, you know, mutant strains aside, copyright uh, Tyler Coach on, mutant strains aside, it's like I find myself with little sympathy for the people who won't get the shot now. And it's like, unless they have some legitimate medical condition, I'm not talking about some shit you printed off the internet, um, uh, but like, if you're just stubborn and you don't want to get the shot, I don't really have any sympathy for you. This is going to sound terrible, but it's like, if you get sick, you have no one else to blame but yourself because there's a shot you can get that won't make you sick. Like, and end of story, you know? I mean, I find it, I, I can't, uh, it's just, I can't really feel bad for these people, in a sense. And I don't feel bad for them when they're like, oh, they're taking, they're going to take away my rights to do things. It's like, dude, no shoes, no shirt, no service, man. That's like, welcome yeah. to fucking the, the modern world, all right? Like, if you have to have the vaccine right. to fly... Get the fucking vaccine or don't fly. That's how it works. Right. You, know? you have to get a passport. You can't fucking you have to go get a on the car, airplane naked just because you wanted to do it. Yeah. You have to get a driver's license to drive a car. Right. Exactly. I you have to wear a seatbelt. The there are lots of things you have to do in life, people. Right. <sighs> if you want to be a part of society... This is what society is. And if you're like, well, I don't want society to be that way. Look at none of us want society to be this way. <laughs> this is, like, nobody wants to fucking work. No one wants to pay taxes. No one wants to, you know, on and on and on. It's like we all just want to sit in fucking hammocks all day and drink pina coladas. But, like, we, if you want to be a part of society, you have to play by society's rules. And fucking yes, society changes the rules all the time. And, and sometimes they say it, it, no one likes change. <laughs> Jesus, but, Tim. But, this is this is what it would be like if you were Tim Banal's child. By the way, this would be your fucking bedtime story. Oh my god! Listen, I no one change. likes change, you little shit. I hate change more than anything, but you know, you gotta you gotta adjust. <laughs> and I'm not even like an anti-masker. Like I kind of like the masks. So no one likes their life. Know. It's part of being an adult. Exactly. 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 Um, yeah. So, what else do I have on my notes here for you? Well, Nothing. the latest. I'm hesitant to even talk about the latest UFO happenings. I'm so. Um, I'll be. I'll be gentle. So worn out on them. No, I just. You know, I don't really. I don't think, well, maybe take it from this angle in a sense where it's like, I don't, I've said this time and time again, but it's like, I don't think any of this has to do with quote unquote aliens or otherworldly beings or anything. So to me, no. it's all a big sideshow because um, I don't think what all the things in the videos or anything, I don't think any of that shit is like actual alien spacecraft. And and it seems right. perfectly like I talk to people I know, and they they that seems to be the agreed upon thing among a lot of my friends. But then if you dare to say that, like on with UFO Twitter or whatever, like the, these people seem to genuinely fucking believe a good percentage of them think they're these are aliens. 
And it's like, right. what? No, they're not fucking aliens, dude. They're they're fucking drones or or uh, radar fuck ups or God knows what. But they're not like fucking aliens as we know and love them. Yeah. So to me, it seems like a whole big magic trick where it's like, look over at this fucking well, thing that we're, you know. And, and yeah. it erases the history of of government, you know, involvement in UFOs. It's like, look at everything that happened from the last couple of years to now. That footage is real. And now that you're concentrating on that, you're not thinking about all this other stuff. But if you think about it, it's like just take Gordon Cooper, for example, former astronaut. When he was in the Air Force before he was an astronaut, I think it was he, him who, or someone else, but he at least witnessed a UFO of some sort landing uh, at the Air Force Base, and I think it was him who was taking video footage of it. And then the Air Force came and took his footage and said they'd give it back to him, and that's the end of it. Never saw it again. Um, I think years later, he asked, I, I just saw something where someone was saying he asked Clinton about it, um, or Clinton looked into it, and the Air Force said, we don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Whether true or not, they could talk about it now, right? Like if the Air Force and the Navy and everybody are like so gung-ho to talk about how real UFO footage is, well, then let's stop talking about these bits of film. Where's that Gordon Cooper footage? What about any of the other footage that you've received over the years? Where's all that? And why is Jeremy Corbell, of all people, um, why is he releasing footage? Like, who's giving it to him? And why is he slow releasing it the way we've been complaining the government does? You know, the slow re release, the slow disclosure. Is he in on that? Like, why is he slow releasing footage? Because that's what he basically said, is like, I've got this footage. There's other footage. You'll be seeing it soon. Show it. If you've got it, show it. Um, you know, where? <laughs> what happened before this A-tip group or whatever it's called? Like... Yeah. What, you were not studying any of this before that? Uh, come on. It's, the whole thing is, and the footage itself and the stories don't necessarily line up. Like the, the, the two Air Force pilots were on 60 Minutes and they were talking about um, what they were describing, I think it was a Tic Tac UFO, and it actually sounded yeah, yeah, yeah. like the phenomenon to me, the way they described it. Except then they say it disappeared, and then it reappeared, and they got it on radar or something somewhere else. Well, how do you know that was the same object or the same whatever? How do you know that that was the same? You know? Or like you see the footage. Yeah. Uh, what about the thing that goes into the water that we just saw recently? Is that the Cordell footage? I don't remember. But you, know, know. you watch this thing, and it sort of goes above the water, and then it blinks out. There's no splash. There's no it going into the water. But we're told that it goes into the water, and we're just supposed to believe that. But all of this stuff is just blips on a screen, really. It's not – why is it so grainy and awful? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Why I've is that acceptable? That like to the mainstream media who, like, bitches about grainy footage, well, here it is. And you're being told for no reason, apparently, yeah, this is real. And I just want to throw this out there as I've been – Looking back at the old Paratopias, um, the first interview we did with George Hansen, uh, he says he fully expects that the next um, big financial crash, uh, the media will um, focus on UFOs again because that seems to be a pattern. It's part of the trickster theory, which says not what the trickster is, but just what the pattern around uh, 
um, these phenomena seems to be, and that's one of them. When people go broke, uh, we start looking at UFOs, and here we are. And I wonder, you know, certainly people in the intelligence community have to be aware of George Hansen and his work. Could you look at something like that and and make it work for you? Like, there has been a crash, right? There's been a big economic crash in the last year or two years. Um, So could they – Harness the focus that will inevitably go onto UFOs for their own purposes, whatever that is. Um, I mean, I, I just think there not. are other ways to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was on – I taped an episode of the podcast Conspiracy Normal the other uh, night, and um, my take in a way is very simple, but I think it resonates with a lot of uh, people who have been in this for a long time. Um, and it – the people who are kind of new to this, I, I think they just can't fathom this perspective in a way. But it's like, look, and I was ranting in Raven, so I'll give you the laid-back version here. Um, but it's like, look, I've seen thousands of UFO pictures. I've seen thousands of UFO videos. I've heard thousands of UFO witness accounts. I've heard countless versions of the crappy scrap of metal story. Um, I've I've just had enough. Show me the fucking aliens or get out. That's my, that's my policy. That's, I I can't make it any simpler than that. I don't even, I don't even mean aliens. I don't care if they come from another dimension, if they live underwater, if they live within the earth, if they come from space, wherever the fuck they come from, show me the aliens or shut the fuck up. (laughs) That's, That's kind of... That's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, enough's enough. Enough is enough. Uh, so, And I'm not even saying that to the government, because I don't think they will. I'm just saying that to to the phenomenon at this point. It's right. like, it's, it's like enough's enough, dude. We've, we've seen all this shit before. So either bring it to another level or, uh, you know, I can't get excited about another grainy video. I just can't get excited about it. Well, it doesn't really – Or the metal that you're talking about. And, you know, what would be interesting is, like, any of these people who claim to have an alien alloy or some sort, how many times have you heard a skeptic like Michael Shermer say, well, we just need some piece of the UFO, some scrap or something. Why don't you have a chain of custody set up, give it to them, you'll know exactly where it goes, they'll get it analyzed, they'll be the ones to tell you, right? Like – Oh my God! They would they would uh, <laughs> they would go apeshit if it were real, right? So why right. don't you give it to one of these skeptics? Instead, we get like I, I don't even know what we get. Nothing. We get some informal yeah. discussion in at, at a UFO conference or something or in a book. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You know, or as Jacques Vallée and Paula Harris apparently do in their own book, they've already debunked the metal scrap in their own story that the book is about. Explain that to me. They've already had it analyzed, and it came back as an aluminum, you know, as Jacques Vallée said in an interview, something you could probably get on eBay. But never mind that. Here's the story. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I don't even understand what he's doing there. But that aside, I'm assuming that what he was talking about at a UFO conference a few years ago is a different metal. Isn't this metal? Supposedly that's been analyzed, and it shows these amazing properties. No book about that. Where's that? Show it. 
Yeah. Well, as Tyler Cokejohn likes to say, like, where's your Nobel Prize then? You know, or your Pulitzer, yeah. or whatever you would get, or whatever you would get for finding an alien metal that can't be explained. Like, and you, if you take that a little further, okay? Well, that's the thing like I'm saying. I've, this, I've heard the story countless times. Oh, it's a, it's a piece of an alien ship. Since there have been UFOs, there have been pieces of alien ships, folks. And they never fucking – where the fuck are they? This isn't – if this is supposed to be the greatest story ever to to impact the human race, then like why, why, why are they still testing metals from 1990 or whatever that, you know, that people first heard about in 1990? It's like, no, no, this doesn't make any fucking sense. So to me, right. yeah, the whole alien metal thing is is just silly. It's just absolutely silly. Because if you have an alien metal and it does this fantastic shit, then that's game over. As you're saying, the skeptics are always like, get a toilet seat from a UFO. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> come on, dude, show them the to- toilet seat so we can get move on. But na- it, the toilet seat never never materializes. Um, well, let's just say so. this to the UFO Twitter people and anyone who's new to this. This stuff, something you're you're being set up. <laughs> it's a setup. Something bad is going yeah. to come of this, or whatever. It's something that not what you want it to be. And when that happens, right. and it will happen, please remember that. Don't just brush it away and go on, and then get attracted to the next thing because it's always the next thing and the next thing. We both remember in the '80s when we were set up with a giant TV special about uh, two whistleblowers, Condor and whoever. Oh, yeah. Talking about, you know, grazy strawberry ice cream and all that stuff. I mean, as soon as we heard it, it sounded ridiculous. But the setup was amazing of these two military whistleblowers who were going to say all of this. We've also been through the alien implants, the mysterious alien implants that, you know, turn out to be nothing. So this is going to turn out to be nothing. Uh, And not only nothing, for some reason, the military is in on it, and Marco Rubio is pressing this, and Tucker Carlson is pressing this. So if you think right. that at the end of the day, this isn't going to be a money grab for the military and or the Space Force, you're freaking nuts. That, to my right. mind, is what all this is for. And why would it be now? It would be now because this is the first time in American history that I've been alive that both Republicans and Democrats have said, eh, maybe we can look at the military budget. I mean, remember how taboo it was to ever mention taking from the military budget? But now people are like, well, we do need to pay for things like infrastructure and on and on. And maybe we could just look at skimming like 1% or 2% off the military budget. Well, this would be a great way to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. I've, I said this the other night, too, on that show uh... – and I, I, I feel like I should put it down like in a tweet thread, but I'm too lazy to do it, so I'll just keep repeating myself in a way on these different shows. But it's like, and and people who are super into this, like UFO Twitter, like we talked about, they'll they don't even fucking listen to this show. They think I'm probably like a pariah or a heretic or whatever. That's fine. Um, but but if there are still any remnants left, this comes from a place of love. This comes from a place of love for for the wacky UFO world. And it's like, you guys, I feel like you're like heading towards a cliff and I'm worried about you, like not as people, but as a community where it's like, you're, you're riding on all these fucking videos that the government gave you. 
And it just feels to me like if the fucking – if they come out – like Mick West has done, in my opinion, a fantastic job of explaining what these videos show. And if the government comes out and they go, oh, okay, let's go through the videos, ping, ping, by six, whatever, and this report comes out, and they go, bing, 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 go down all the things and explain them. And all the explanations are pretty much what Mick West says. Like that will set the public perception of the UFO phenomenon back a generation. Um. The people who are sort of like, oh, what's, what's all this UFO stuff about? Immediately, they'll, it'll be conned in all over again. It'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll just really fucking be a terrible blow for people who are interested in this subject because they'll go back to being like, oh, you believe that shit? Didn't you see the government said it's all drones or whatever? So it's like, I feel like they're setting themselves up yeah. for, a, for an epic, an epic fucking defeat. Um, they're being set up. But for and an as epic a culture, defeat. don't you think as a culture we're in for it too? Uh, in another way, which is that the the guy who's most likely the dude behind QAnon uh, is deciding has decided to set up alien leaks to be like a WikiLeaks for alien footage and stories and stuff. If you don't think that this is going to quickly turn into the QAnon religion or you know be subsumed into it, you're out of right. your mind. So once again, yeah. you know. Uh, where does ufology go from there? We've already seen politics be destroyed by this, you know, new cult. Is ufology now going to get sucked into this cult too? And does anyone care? I, I don't think anyone probably cares, but you should if you still care about anything at all. Facts? I don't know. Yeah. Anything? <laughs> God. Yeah. We're so done, Tim. <laughs> it's culture. I'll be too. honest. Yeah. People. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, I'm not someone who is like, oh, the sky is falling kind of thing, but I'm particularly uneasy just about everything in this country right now. Um, you, the whole idea that like, oh, if we just get rid of Trump, everything's going to be fine. Boy, that was, that was uh, you know, I mean, it's good that we got him out of office, but it seems like a lot of the problems just it, 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 like smashed into a million other little problems. And, uh, it's very, it's just, everything's really fucking stressful, man. You know, to me, I, people who listen to the show, they get, sometimes I think that, I think a lot of them just stop listening, but the, the, some of them get irritated, get into politics too much. But we, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff. You and I we do a fucking election special and shit. And it's like, look, dude, the fucking Republicans, they're planning on just taking over the government. <laughs> like, I don't know. Everybody can see it. Um, anyone who is honest observing this situation can see that, like, okay, we got really fucking lucky because the Democrats held the Senate and the House. If you think in 2024 that that they'll be able – if they have the ability to fucking nullify the election – or overturn the election if a Democrat wins, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Right. They pretty much – like they wanted to do it in January. They didn't have the the legislative power to do it, so they figured, fuck, let's just blow the fucking place up. Maybe if <clears> – you know, maybe we can stop the the legislative gears by having a bunch of politicians killed, which is what they wanted. Um, 
you know, a bloody coup, essentially. Well, then they're like, all right, that didn't work. So let's just make sure that next time we have to have this vote, which just used to be this superfluous bullshit in the beginning of January that no one fucking cared about. It's like they figured it out. They're like, oh, wait a minute. We can we can fucking pull an emergency break on the election and not elect who won and put in our own guy based on these various arcane fucking rules from the 1800s. And that's what they plan on doing. And anyone who doesn't see that is fucking crazy because that's exactly what they're going to do. So, you know, if the Republicans win the House and the Senate in the next midterm, you should be very fucking afraid if you are – Someone who likes democracy. Uh, you know, that's that's my take. Um, you know, sorry for getting too political, folks, but that's just how I see it. You're correct. Anyway, aliens. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, we're heading to – can you go a little bit over the, uh, over the cutoff? Uh, yeah, a little bit. All right. I'll keep you for a few more minutes. I got to put ducks away eventually. Oh, those ducks. Um, yeah, sorry to go on a political rant, folks, but I'm very, I'm very stressed out about this, to be quite, <laughs> to be quite honest, because it's not even something like, oh, I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm like almost certain that it is. So, and, and hey. no one seems to, no one seems to fucking, can't, like a lot of people do see it. And no one sees the people who do see it can't do anything about it, and the people who can don't seem to fucking give a fuck. So it's like we're we're seeing a slow moving. Uh, disaster unfolding. And it's, it's stressful, man. It's stressful. I wish I was just someone who didn't give a fuck about anything. Yep. Do you... This is such a... Jump back briefly to the aliens and the UFOs. The aliens and the UFOs and all that. Do you think... I mean, what's your take on this report thing? It's already taken on this sort of cheesy, like... um Again, this is why I also fear, like, oh, they're going to issue a report that's going to be <laughs> – no one's going to get what they want out of this report. But, like, what do you even think is going to be in this uh, in this apocryphal report that keeps getting hyped up? I don't know. Is it going to get pushed back? That's my first question. But, I mean, eventually something will come out. Um, and I, I think it will be mm, not much. I don't think anything's really going to come of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it'll be tantalizing. That's the best you could say in the sense of like, yeah, some of the stuff, we just don't know what it is. But, um, you know, that's that's it. I mean, God, I, I hate to go all Neil deGrasse Tyson on everyone, but I just heard him say this on another show, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, where he was talking about the difference between seeing something with your eyes and sensors. And so the first question he would have is what were the sensors working properly? Was everything cleaned? Blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into a long right. explanation of how Pluto uh, became no longer a planet. Uh, oh, God. And all because, all because of one sensor that was not working right, turns out threw everything off. And yeah. so Pluto's not a planet. It turns out. So could you do that with the Navy stuff? Like, and it just gets me to thinking of like, right, it, it, what, when the Navy says we don't know what this is, do we know how up to date their equipment is even? Do we know how what the ratio of like, I don't know, hits 
on a radar that are actual objects versus like birds and stuff uh, or actual, you know, anomalous objects, what that is. Yeah, they only um, tell so we us. actually know that yeah. that footage we're seeing isn't a test of some sort for drones or some other device. Like, it just seems weird to me that they would just come out and be like, yeah, we don't know what that is. Nonchalant, which I guess is Marco Rubio's point. Like, how are you nonchalant about this? Um, yeah. If that could be even an enemy aircraft from another country, why aren't you looking into that? Why are you just like, eh, no big deal? But that's been their attitude since forever. So why hasn't anyone even asked that until now in officialdom? Uh, it, I don't know. The, the whole thing is is weird to me. Um, and I think the, the end result is that nothing comes of it and people yeah. just go on in their frustration you know, saying that the government doesn't know, or I mean, not the government doesn't know, but the government is covering it up and hiding something. But at the end of the day, you know me, Tim, I, I actually believe that the government doesn't know anything. I mean, yeah, I think that I they agree. may have really footage. Think I think they may have looked at it. Yeah, but I don't think they know what they're looking at. I don't think there is some big secret that they have that, you know, yeah. that we don't have. I don't think they, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they have, like, knowledge of, like, some race of beings from Zeta Reticuli and shit that, like, you know, that's the idea that the government has that. Now, hold on. Before we go any further, uh, we rolled right into the end of the show. So we're still recording, obviously, but the live, live audience is gone. I think they got caught up like, like, right in the middle of your sentence, probably. So I, I do want to thank uh, Allie Gator, the classic. Allie Gator was in the chat room tonight. Cat Girl. Really? I don't know if that's Carol or not. Um, Jim Vujovic, Miriam Hamlet. Uh, we have fun official. That's uh, Chris. Uh, Zach Copley and Jim Vujovic. I said Jim Vujovic. Um, I thought there was one more person. Uh, Ghoul One showed up briefly, but yeah, uh, for joining in on the chat room uh, tonight. Much appreciated. And all the folks who listened live. Um, now, we didn't – I don't know how much we want to talk about this because we kind of poured our hearts out uh, a couple of months ago, but um, I didn't – I didn't mention this in the preview. I don't want to want to be one of those people that's like, and we're going to make sure you listen because we're going to talk about our friend who died, um, you know, because that's tacky as shit. Um, but, yeah, we, we both, I mean, especially you, you lost, like, uh, you know, a partner in crime in a huge way. Um, I lost a good friend, uh, Jeff Ritzman, earlier this year. Um and it's shockingly – we talked about this yesterday when we were setting up the show and everything. Like, shockingly, it feels like it happened so long ago now. But, like, the other day I was yeah. looking for something that I posted online, like, in February, and I, and I found it. And I'm looking at the comments, and there's Jeff. And I'm like, oh, jeez, dude. Like, Jeff died – he didn't die – you know, it's probably fairer to say that he died weeks ago rather than months ago. But it feels like – I don't know. It feels like he's been gone a long, long time. It's really kind of very, very strange in a way. Yeah, it is weird because to me, it's like displacement. It's like he, it feels like he's been gone a long, long time. But then I listen to these Paratopia episodes and, and I forget he's gone. Like at the same time, I forget he's gone. I'm like, oh, I should ask Jeff about that. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can't. Yeah. You know, so it's like both of those feelings at the same time are kind of disconcerting. Yeah, um, I highly recommend folks check out uh, – Jeremy put together an awesome um, memorial, online memorial gathering, I guess you could call it, uh, where a lot of us, uh, 
you know, talked about Jeff and stuff. Um, I don't want to really like belabor the point. He was, he was the man. He, uh, you know, he was one of the good guys in this field. I mean, we need, we, they're, they're desperately needed. And to lose someone like Jeff was, uh, especially now, you know, especially now with all the yeah. vi- visual stuff that's coming out and, um, and, you know, all the, all the tomfoolery and everything like this is this sort of, this situation was like tailor made for Jeff Ritzman. And it's like, we, yeah. we fucking need him. We really need him now more, more than, uh, more than ever. Um, and it's the fucking cruelty of life in a way. Cause it was like, I don't know if you re- like, remember, I was talking about this with Greg Bishop, like, uh, on our year in review and these new people don't get it really either where it's like, we used to, Greg and I used to do year in review shows and it was like, sometimes like the biggest UFO story of the year was like that they wrote an article about it once in TV guide. Like that was right. like UFOs were were not up until the last three years. UFOs were not something that people really gave a fuck about. So or or, or anything happened, anything of interest ever happened. Like there was never like some years you would try to find the biggest case. And I guess look, if you find try to find the biggest case of 2020, you probably have a hard time. But it, this is all being dominated by these older cases now that we're finding out about through the Navy and blah, blah, blah. But it was like just any case coming up of interest some years was a stretch. It was difficult. So it's I guess the, that's the cruelty, I guess, of, of life in a way where it's like now more than ever when we could use someone with the expertise of Jeff Ritzman after all this time when nothing was fucking happening and, and we don't have him. You know, it's really fucking right. it's maddening and frustrating, and it's just, yeah, it's the cruelty of life, man. It really is. You, it makes you wonder, like, man, this, why? So, I don't know. It would be interesting to know if he would have been pulled back in by this. I suspect he well, could have kept I, his mouth shut for very long. I would, yeah. I, I See, that, yeah, that, see, that's kind of what makes me sad, because it's like, uh, we've talked about this, but Jeff... He 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 dipped out of UFO world and and God bless him. And when people dip out of UFO world, they usually don't want to get back into it. So I didn't hadn't really talked about any of this stuff with him because um, it's only been pretty recent. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. And it's that it's frustrating because I would really really like to fucking know what he what he thinks of all this stuff. So um, yeah, it sucks. But you know, we try to do right by him as we continue here on on this uh, crappy plane. Have you? You know, it'll be interesting to do. Um, I mean, obviously, it won't be the same without Jeff. But you, you, you know, you might want to do is like um, when you re, if possible, like when you re, um, what are you remastering these shows? Like maybe have just like a five ten minute thirty minute at most like new interview with the person, and 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 with the express deal if they're willing to go along with like well they listen to the old interview, and be like is there anything that stood out hmm. to you or you know what I mean sort of a follow up, uh you know like a DVD commentary almost type thing, you know where you're like hey yeah, you know maybe listen I'll do to this yeah I think that would be really cool because uh, people's opinions change and. Um, times change and, uh, you know, 
It would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Tyler Coke John retweeted the thing. He says, the impossible happens. Banal and Jeremy Vaney go full Coke John. They will be one-sixth one soon. He's talking about me. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll be erased from the public consciousness soon. But, yeah, it's um, – yeah, I mean – I don't want to belabor the whole uh, Jeff thing. I, we we both miss him an awful lot, and um, you know, it's. Uh, I think we both anticipated many more years of fun and games and adventures, and it just sucks that he's not going to be around for that. So. Yep. Yeah. Have you? I don't think if if anyone of all people, because I've I've heard these kind of questions asked in the past, and people sometimes take offense. But I think of all people, you and Jeff would um, be the least, you know, who would, would would not take offense at all to this sort of line of questioning. Have you, maybe you can see where this is going, have you experienced anything since Jeff died? Have you Have you had any feeling that maybe he was trying to communicate with you at all? No, just when I talk about it at the memorial, I think, Immediately, actually, before he died, and then when he died, I think there was something going on. Uh, clearly, he was alive when the first thing was happening. So, um, but my feeling was like his whatever this phenomena in his life in his life is was sort of reaching out and saying this he's going. You know, looking back yeah. on it, but no, not since then, not since like that week, nothing. In fact, my sense of him, if if I can even say that, I don't know how correct my sense of him is now, but was that he was like, look what we can do. Like, he's not even interested anymore. He's off playing somewhere, you know? Yeah. I So, I yeah. mean, I would be I, – I wouldn't doubt if he's not reaching out to anybody anymore. He's He's off doing afterlife stuff, whatever that would be. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, as I Did said you? on the memorial thing, too, the uh, that's one of the things, I guess, that I do. It, it makes the whole painful experience a little bit less painful, where it's like, well, this shit fascinated Jeff, so, you know, he's off, he's off finding out what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Did you feel anything? I hope he's not just... I, <laughs> I was, I was going to make a joke. I was like, I, I hope he's not, just not hanging around the filming of this Star Wars movie. So, <laughs> well, I can imagine, yeah, that's what I would be doing too. In a way, I'd be like, I'd be like, have you, have you, have you on the other side? They'd be like, have you made contact with your loved ones yet? And it's like, hold on, I'm going to the original first WrestleMania, and then, then you know, then I'll make contact with my loved ones, let them know I'm here and okay. But for now, I'm going to go and watch. Uh, you know, I'm going to go and watch uh, the World Series from 2004 um, <laughs> from behind home plate. So, but, yeah, no, I haven't experienced anything. So, um, you know, but I like to think that he's off somewhere doing something and enjoying it. So, yeah. I, I, one other thing is sort of a uh, thought that I wanted to put forward got lost in the ether during our conversation here about sort of the two it, I guess it's a metaphor in a way the two dimensional we were talking about the flatland and how the flatland you can't see the three dimensional and I haven't read flatland in a long time so maybe this happens in the book or maybe I'm just 
imagining it, but it's like the only way, if you're a piece of paper, the only way to be, to understand the three-dimensional, and this kind of connects in a sense to the paranormal, where it's like you could, as a piece of paper, you could fold yourself up into a box. You know, you could make a box out of a piece of paper. And that's uh-huh. kind of the idea, in a way, of the paranormal, wherein in, only to, in, in order to truly understand that higher dimension, you have to metaphorically tie yourself up into knots. You have to metaphorically, like, re, restructure yourself, and then you can maybe experience uh, the other dimension. Yeah. I think that's, uh, so, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, right. I'm not going to tie myself up in a knot, but, but sure. <laughs> I mean, metaphorically. I mean, I think the restructuring yourself, I mean, that um, the ego death is a restructuring, it's a, it, that is a restructuring of you. It's, it's where you are no longer the controlling entity in the body you're still there, but you're more a, a mouthpiece for, you know, oneness or yeah. truth or whatever, whatever that is. Um, but even me, like, this is something we haven't talked about, and God knows we don't have time now. But um, it, I'll show a little bit of it during the Living Mystery Symposium. It's a little buried Easter egg in one of the uh, Saturday breaks <laughs> uh, where I will show you what happens when I trigger Kundalini energy. And you can believe that that's happening or not. It doesn't matter. The point is it is happening. And so what is it? What, how is it possible that I can set my will aside for a split second and something else takes over and starts maneuvering the body and doing all these sort of, you know, exercise-y, dancing-looking things that seem to have an effect on me and sometimes the environment and sometimes other people and sometimes animals, depending on what I'm focusing on. Like, this kind of gets to where does this information come from if it's not my own personal self? Um, so uh, I think that is – I am a restructured person in that sense. Like, that wasn't me prior to this. I was just a normal everyday Joe, and now I'm a normal everyday Joe. But if I shut up for a second, you know, craziness occurs. Uh, so what is that? And, again, if that's something that we can all be, don't we – owe it to ourselves to explore that and see what that is and see what else yeah. we are. Uh, why are we, why are we so intent? I mean, it's just lazy and easy to try to drag that, which we perceive to be above us or transcendent of us above us in terms of aliens down to our level instead of meeting, meeting them where, you know, where we need to be. We want them to come here and what? <laughs> Join us? I mean, come on. Why don't we right, do the branching right. out? Why don't we start looking at ourselves and first figure out what we are and then go see the universe? Do we have to wait until yeah. we die? I hope not. <coughs> that cough is the perfect uh, segue in a sense to, well, we're not getting any younger, Rainey, so, you know, that's a, that's a dark for the good parade listeners, they'll appreciate that. But yeah, that's sort of a dark realization, maybe that the last year kind of drove home. Where it's like, I'm probably—I don't want to speak for you, Vaney. I mean, you, you can weigh in after this, but it's like, I'd be willing to bet that I'm probably past the halfway point of my life. So, oh you know, yeah, I'm probably. Yeah, I've been thinking about yeah. this. 
Yeah. So to me, it's like a lot of this shit where it's like, oh, fucking tell us about the aliens. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, eh, I'm getting, I'm closer to finding out than I am to starting from the beginning. So let's just <laughs> let's just ride it out now. I actually think about it in terms of the vaccine. I think about it in terms of like, so what if I get whatever from the vaccine? Yeah, they don't know what the hell. They haven't experimented enough with it. Who cares? Like, I'm going into my golden years, right? So yeah, I'm almost exactly. done. What, what's not going to affect my life? <laughs> right, right. I think you and I got into an argument about this with, with regards to global warming or something, where I was said, I pretty much said, <laughs> said that. I was like, I don't have kids or anything, so, you know, give me my fucking well, plastic bag. Well, that affects bags. Earth. Yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah. doing the vaccine actually helps other people. Killing the earth doesn't help anybody, Tim. I don't know if I have to tell you that. Oh, I know. Well, <laughs> it is what it is. Anyway, I could talk to you all night, but you have ducks to feed and, um, you know. Uh, I got to put ducks yeah, to bed. that's it. You got to put the ducks to bed. You got a new dishwasher installed today from Sears. Um, <clears throat> that's gotta... not true. <laughs> you made that part up. You got a lot going on over there at, at the uh, at the uh, at the homestead. How? One last thing before we let you go, because people are obsessed. They really are. Like <laughs> I hear from people often, not that often, but I hear from people. When I hear from people about you, often that's how it goes. They more often than not, it's the Hawaii thing. They're like fucking obsessed with you going to Hawaii. Um, you remember Cherry Garcia? Yeah. Anytime, like, there's even a rumble of a volcano, I get a text from <laughs> Cherry Garcia who's like, hey, man, just checking in how Vaney's doing out there in Hawaii. I think he wants to come stay with you. I don't, I'm don't. i afraid to put you two in touch. But, <laughs> yeah, all all the time people are like, ask me about about the Hawaii thing. So I just, what's the latest on Hawaii? How are you enjoying living out there? I mean, everybody here who's on the mainland fucking envies you. I'm sure you know that. Um, you know, even if they don't want to admit it, it's like not only did you leave the only reason I for a tropical here. paradise, but you're also like, you know, if the United States collapses tomorrow or whatever, Hawaii can pretty much just be like, yeah, okay, we're done, we're out. You know, oh, what, right. what are you gonna do? Come and put a put a, a hook into the islands and pull us over? To, to, like, you can't control <laughs> us. You guys are fighting each other. We're out. Um, so you're you have a you're like an escape pod. But um, you know what's how's life in Hawaii? Uh, well, it's great. I mean, I I can't yeah. complain. I mean, if, if, to put a kibosh on that on this island, where you know, where specifically where I live, um, there are rumblings going on on this here volcano Mauna Loa, and if Mauna Loa goes off, depending on which way it goes, uh, we could be dead. So <laughs> there's always that gamble. Uh, depending on the type of explosion um, will dictate how long it takes to actually get down here. Um, yeah. So you got to be willing to uh, live in a constant state of post-traumatic, pre-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, but other than that, it's paradise. There you go. That's what I thought. So, all right. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, I'll let you get going. Uh, Until you can come visit any time. You can make them jealous. Yeah. Come visit. Yeah, I will eventually. Um, All right. 
I was like seriously considering it a few years ago, and then just all, all this shit happened and everything. So uh, I almost came to the wedding. Wasn't the wedding like in a November? Oh yeah. Yeah, I almost Sometime came, or, or at least the wedding party. Um, yeah. yeah, I was seriously considering it, and then I was like, ah, you know. I can't take advantage of Vaney's generosity because he's probably going to have his mother staying there or something. So I need to come out there when there's no oh, one out there. Oh, she'd so love can... to have you, Tim. And I think you know what I mean. Oh, boy. That's Lemberg's girl. Good night, I'll everybody. I'll with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've said this before on shows, guests that I've had, uh, that I've known for a long, long time, like um, – you know, like Greg and Lauren Coleman. I used to say this to Stan, actually, before he passed away, and it's one of the – I think it probably uh, made me feel better, I guess, when he died. But it's like, look, man, we've been through a long a long haul, man. I love you. We've, I mean, I've known you for 15 fucking years probably. Um, we've, we've, been, we've been through – we've been through a lot together, and we've seen a lot of crazy shit. And it's like being in this field, there's not too many people you can really consider – well, maybe there are some people who think they they, they can, but uh, for me, it's like there are only a handful of people I've known for fifteen plus years or whatever that that have been on this ride with me, and I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate everything about you, man. I, I consider you one of my very best friends in this field. Um, you know, people forget we had a, a, a really an ill-fated, terrible I, uh, idea of a podcast, pop, pop culture podcast called <laughs> called the Good Parade, that brought us nothing but trouble, it seems. Um, <laughs> but but I, I do I, I really do uh, I really do love you, man. And and um, you know what people don't know, it's like Jeremy's reached out to me on more than one occasion just to check in on me and see how I'm doing and shit. And that goes a long way. Uh, I really appreciate that. So. You know, thanks, brother, and uh, here's to many more adventures in the future. Aw, Tim, I love you too, buddy. A lot of people don't know that we made love uh, the first time we met after the whale watch. You just kept saying, look at the beautiful tail flute. And I was like, yeah, take it, take it, Tim. Oh, oh my God. We, the you funniest part that? of that is, no, and the funniest part of that is, I don't. I didn't even remember the whale watch till you mentioned it. That's just how... <laughs> That's just how a drunk I was. B, <laughs> how storied our history. I'm glad is. you remember part of that, it. <laughs> that, yeah, that the whale watch. Yes, oh I love you too, buddy. Thanks, man. Well, all right, go fucking do the ducks or whatever you got to do, and um, you know, we'll be in touch soon. I'm sure, brother. All right. Peace. All right. Good night. There you go. That was that was the man, Jeremy Vaney. Uh, he always, like I said earlier, he always makes me think, uh, I try to get by in life not thinking too hard about a lot of this stuff, um, but when I talk to Vaney, he always ends up making me think a lot about shit, so that's why I like talking to him, and that's why people like listening to him, so, he has a very unique perspective on things. Uh, well, it's late here, uh, it's that time of the hour. As I said at the beginning of the show, unofficial start of summer is, of course, uh, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, that means we pretty much have to uh, bid adieu to the spring session. Uh, It's been an interesting ride. I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
I was joking the other night that uh, I got to be like the laziest podcaster out there because I pretty much just interviewed all my friends um, that I talk to on social media all the time, uh, or or people that uh, with, with one exception with uh, Mark Sargent, who was someone I wanted to get into the head of and find out more about what's going on in the world of uh, the flat Earth. Uh, during this pandemic. But, yeah, I pretty much just contacted people who are buddies of mine um, to catch up with and have conversations with on Friday nights. And I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Um, these uh, these are super laid back, <laughs> which is what I like. Um, and uh, for the most part, I think the – Adam Go Rightly, I read his books. I really wanted to uh, – find out what he had to say about all this uh, spy versus spy uh, UFO saucer kooks and spooks. Um, but for the most part, other than that, I really didn't have to do too much work, which is always great. Um, and I got to talk to people I've known for a long time and have these super laid-back conversations. So it's been it's been a fun ride, these uh, last eight episodes. It might even be the last eight weeks. I don't even think we skipped a week uh, during this run. So I want to thank Lauren Coleman, Adam Go Rightly, Jason Offit, Jack Brewer, Aaron Gullius, Mark Sargent, Greg Newkirk, and tonight's guest Jeremy Vaney for being a part of the uh, spring session. Uh, what's next for us? Uh, I got to take some time to relax a little bit with summer starting. I did this last time uh, last year. Uh, ironically enough, I think I know the. The final episode of the Corona Cast was this weekend last year. We wrapped up the Corona Cast Memorial Day weekend, then we came back uh, a few weeks later with uh, the Summer of Strangeness. So that's I'm hesitant to say even anything because I'll never forgive myself for ending the Summer of Strangeness last time around and promising you all a winter of weirdness and then never delivering. Essentially, the winter of weirdness was going to be what you've just heard over the last eight weeks. Um, conversations, catching up with old friends, uh, maybe a few more episodes than eight, but the timing-wise, you know, when summer starts, you can't do a spring session. So, But essentially, that was going to be the winter of weirdness. So I feel like we've kind of uh, psychically caught up on the thing. And now uh, we're going to be doing the 2021 Summer of Strangeness tour, I guess you could call it. We're not going anywhere, but that uh, sounds like a tour. The 2021 Summer of Strangeness um, yeah, I'm going to try and talk to people that I've never talked to before, which, uh, there's a lot of people out there we haven't had on the show yet. Um, people who have burst on the scene in recent years, people who've been around for a while, just haven't talked to you yet. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, so that's the plan. We're going to, we're going to do that. Uh, I'm probably going to, in the next, <sighs> you know, 10 days or so, uh, carve out a little time, have a few drinks, let my mind wander and start putting together a list. Um, I haven't collated the names yet, but there are a whole bunch of people I know that I want to talk to. So I got to sit down and make that list. And the difficult part, not to get too deeply into how the sausage is made, but the difficult part with that is, uh, you know, when you got to book a guest who hasn't been on the show before, you really got to uh, you got to pitch them coming on. So that's the that's the challenge in a way. You schedule them, 
it, booking a first-time guest is a lot more difficult uh, than just sending an instant message to someone you've known for 15 years and go, what are you doing on Friday? So that's kind of why I need to take some time, not only just to kind of clear my head, but also take some time to uh, figure out how to book these people and stuff like that. So hopefully we'll come rolling back, I don't know, in a few weeks. Um, and, and and when we do, the goal here, I'm like rambling now. It's getting late. The goal here is to get to uh, a premiere date and then have four or five or six episodes already planned out, maybe a couple in the can. So we're not uh, constantly behind the eight ball. So that's that's my long, convoluted explanation for what you can expect next uh, from Banal of America. Um, yeah, so I'm going to holiday weekend, try and get this MP3 out to people. It's going to rain all weekend, too, which is uh, ruining my Memorial Day weekend. So... Um, there's a good chance that I'll just sit down at the computer at some point during this downpour of a weekend and pop this episode out as fast as I can, sort of put a bow on the uh, spring session. Um, yeah, and if you want more, you want to find out what's going to happen next, you know, find us on Facebook. Um, find me on Twitter. Uh, don't find me on Facebook. Like, don't find me personally because I don't accept fan requests anymore. So um, if you're someone who's listening and you – or I tell you what, actually, somebody, I saw this the other day. If you want to be friends with me on Facebook, send me a message first because I just get these random friend requests all the time. So if you want to be personal friends on Facebook, send me a message, and then I'll know you're not a bot or uh, – or just someone – there are people who go through other people's friends lists and just friend everybody to try and build uh, some kind of network for themselves. Um, so, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for any of that nonsense. So, yeah. So if you want to – I lost my train of thought. But the point being, if you want to know what we're going to do next, go to uh, Banal of America on Facebook and follow us there. Follow me. You can follow me personally on Twitter. That's a little different realm. Um, follow me on Twitter, Banal, B-I-N-N-A-L-L, um, or go to uh, the Banal of America website, uh, B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. It's kind of stagnant right now. It's really just a clearinghouse for, like, new episodes and stuff. Um, maybe we'll – I always say these kind of things. Maybe we'll refresh it at some point and give it a, a fresh coat of paint, but I, I'm not promising anything there. But uh, if you go there on Fridays, you can find out who's going to be on the show and – if we have a solid premiere date for the Summer of Strangeness, um, I'd like to at least know more than <laughs> Friday morning that we're going to start the Summer of Strangeness. So uh, you'll probably get, I would hope, at least a week's heads up. Worst case scenario, like three days heads up that the Summer of Strangeness 2021 is uh, about to begin. So um, I have it in my hopes that this is what we'll be doing next can't make any promises like i said uh i really uh muffed it on the winter of weirdness so but i'm feeling good and i'm enjoying doing the show and there are a lot of people i want to talk to so i don't see why we should stop now um so yeah that's it 
Thank you to uh, everybody who supported us after all these years. You guys are the best. Um, the show just keeps on changing and evolving, and, uh, uh, you know, it's crazy. I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, shit, man. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been doing Ben All of America for 15 years. It's like, wow. There are people, there are shows that I did like in 2007 or something, like 14 years ago, that I sometimes, I can't even, I have to be reminded of. Because I've done so many shows over so many years. It's like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I need to sit down and look, but I venture to guess I've probably done like 500 shows at this point um, over all this time. So it's pretty, it's pretty wild when you think about um, it. And, uh you know, I wouldn't be doing it without all you guys, uh, your support and uh, your appreciation of the program after all these years. I appreciate you guys uh, coming along on this journey with me, and uh, the best is yet to come. There's still a lot of new avenues to explore. So on that note, I hope everyone has a safe and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend, and uh, enjoy the next few weeks. You'll be hearing from me uh, at some point in the not-too-distant future. Thanks again for listening, folks. Good night.